This is an emergency broadcast from Radio Free Istvan. All Imperial forces stay away from Istvan 5. The fort flooding in of a massacre on the Black Sands. Horus has revealed his hand and gathered yet more traitorous Primarchs to his side. Ferris Manus is dead. Vulcan and Korax are missing. Stay safe, brothers, and stay away from the Istvan system. The Emperor protects. What's going on, Radio Freest Van listeners, and welcome to episode 69 of the Radio Freest Van podcast. My name is Michael, and I've got my co-host Derek here. Going to say what's going on, Derek. Hey, everybody. And, of course, the powerful Ryan Kimmel. Going to say what's going on, Ryan. Hello, everyone. Of course, you'll all realize that we are one co-host short. Mr. Scott is feeling a little bit green this week. And so he will be sitting out this week. But God, man, he's here in spirit. I mean, the the one time we might get to, you know, get some of his his talk about the Mayweather and McGregor fight, and he's just gonna miss out on it. <laughs> it's just gonna go right over. But that's yep. okay. We went. I we me and him. We went to the uh, Indiana Toy and Comic Con, the thing where I bought the Fonzie cookie jar. Nice. Yes. Last year, we, me and him went together this year. Uh, uh, he brought his wife and a uh, kid up, his little boy, and then I went with Emily. So we took our families down there and went to that. It was pretty fun. We had a good day. Just a good old-fashioned family day while we were, you know, hunkering down, fearing for our lives over here. But, you know, glad y'all had a great time. Oh, yeah. We did. We <laughs> had a great time. No hurricanes here. Me, uh, me and Derek were... <laughs> Holding each other, like as, huddled together over a burning trash can. I mean, I, I can't, I can't help that my forefathers that were smart enough to not, you know, like build their fucking house where there's hurricanes or earthquakes or volcanoes or mudslides or wildfires, like all these other dumb fucks that live in this country. Um, but I mean, that's just what happened. I mean, I, I can't. Better heads prevail. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I guess mean, they saw Harvey come in and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> some sort of fucking ancient like i don't know indian prophecy can like saw harvey and moved all the indianans to safety and here yep. we are in texas just buying still, our just tigers getting and fucking getting hit by hurricanes still living in texas after having been hit with harvey <laughs> we never learn so guys you may notice that we are definitely a week late on the podcast and i mean Podcast, podcast delayed due to weather. That's the only thing I can say. Like, well, check. I mean, we people can't bitch. This is the first one we've ever missed, and we missed it due to a category four hurricane literally hitting, like, like flying right over your town. Like the eye of the hurricane flew over your town, right? <laughs> yeah, dude. It's <laughs> like, like if you. Were I to, mean, can can people really be mad about that? I don't think they can. <laughs> yeah, man. They can try. They can definitely try. Like, it was... Uh... I mean, they could, like, go watch the movie Twister and then remember the part where they tie themselves down and it has, like, the CGI tornado and they're, like, looking up in the middle of the tornado. I saw a picture and Josh had his uh, um, uh, orc helmet on blowing a trumpet or some shit with a flag and that's literally what it looked like in the background. So, I <laughs> oh, mean, yeah. there's photographic evidence. Yeah, that was the eye. That you guys were in the eye of the hurricane. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a good time. It was a good time, man. I mean, we definitely uh, we definitely learned some things. <laughs> we learned learned what not to do in the event of a hurricane. So, 
I guess. Do you have any questions, Ryan? Do you have any questions about what happened during this hurricane while we're while we're just un- talking about it? Um, no, because I've been asking you all week. Like, or basically, I just wanted to know, you know, if you were okay, and all that stuff, and you guys are, and everybody that I know personally, I think is mostly, you know, unaffected, like in the long term. So I think we're good to go on my end. Yes, we. Uh... We we are good. We finally got power back, and uh, uh, we finally got the what do you call it? Internet back online, so we can actually record this podcast for you guys. Uh, looters, man, that was a new problem. I never thought we'd have. That <laughs> well, was that's the dumbest thing I've ever like. Why would you loot anything in Texas? Do you want to die? <laughs> do you have a death wish? Like, well, like, because you do realize, like, not only is everyone armed and will use it, like, they're probably looking for an excuse to use it. Yeah, like, man. Like, it was like people are like, "Hey, did you see any looters? Where? What neighborhood?" Well, that- yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, do you really honestly think the fucking Texas police are going to have any sympathy or investigate that crime? Because they're not. Like, they will literally <laughs> just like kick you down the fucking nearest storm drain and be done with it. Like they don't want the fucking paperwork and they're not, they have no sympathy for that. They probably fucking give you a medal. So, um, they did. That's just, <laughs> that was like the first story I heard coming from my hometown was, uh, somebody, some looter got blasted in the chest with a 12 gauge for kicking in somebody's door, trying <laughs> to steal their TV. And sure enough, the house was not evacuated and that's what happens. Yep. And they probably will give that person like the fucking citizen of the year medal and a key to the city. So, yeah, just don't loot in Texas. That's the most idiotic thing anyone could do. Solid advice. Yeah, man, that was a that was an issue that I did not think that we would run into, and we sure as shit did. Yeah. And carbon monoxide. I did not think carbon monoxide would be an issue, but it don't sure as shit was. Don't put your generators indoors, people. I don't. I don't even think. I don't even know that was like. I don't know if it was the. Okay, so Ryan, did I tell you we had to leave that our our safety of the home at three o'clock in the morning as the hurricane was passing directly over the house? No, I did okay. not hear this yet. Oh, this is news to me too. Okay, so check this out. So we decide that as a family, as a unit, we're gonna go stay at my parents' house, right? Okay. You know, the more people together, the better. Like, and if we all, if we, if one of us goes, we all go. It's just like a one fell okay. swoop. We're all just gonna die together. That's it. And by the way, we rode the fucking storm out. So anyway, so at uh, hurricane hits the Victoria, like the the hardest part, which is called the dirty side of the storm, which is like the northeastern side of the hurricane's eye, is what hit us like dead on which is like the like tornado alley just like it's just horrible right when that's fucking hitting us we're, we're staying at my parents house and their carbon monoxide alarm just goes the fuck off right it's and like it doesn't even go straight to warning it goes to critical like you're gonna fucking die if you breathe you better open some windows and so all the windows are boarded up so ain't nothing we really do so it turns out the neighbor across the street we help them board up and he evacuated, and he's like, hey, man, if y'all need to use my house for anything, like holding family members or something, don't hesitate. Here's my key. And so it just so happens we were like, okay. My mom comes out, and she's like, hey, we've got to evacuate the house to this other house. And, you know, we got that's, that's what we got to do. We got we to gotta move. 
and I'm like, Mom, dude, it's like 180 to 80 mile hour wind outside. <laughs> like, can we can we think about this? Like, <laughs> we might not all make it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long walk for Nana. Like, it's, <laughs> like it's a. Uh, we need to consider our other options. Everybody, grab some heavy boots. <laughs> so anyway, so we do, dude. We we evacuate across the street. I put Kitty in her catstrap backpack. You know, the one with the little bubble on it. Have you ever seen that, Ryan? The little catch not backpack his little green backpacks that little bubble the cats can see out of it uh i've not seen yours but i've seen some yes so anyway kitty's got one of those because she's a baller and so i throw her in there and my sister has six cats and so we've got to take a big old crate and we just book it across the street that's probably one of the most scariest things ever in my life because i'm a i'm a big dude everybody who knows me knows i'm a big guy and um that wind caught on to me kind of like a sail. Yeah. Like it was like no joke. Like it was <laughs> and like, it felt like somebody like hugging you and pushing you back at the same time. It was all I could think about was just making it across the street, save my cat. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty wild, man. It was a, I can believe it. Cause when we went to Iceland, we walked down to this one thing and there was like 70 or 75 miles an hour straight line winds and you couldn't walk like just trying to walk you like it wasn't like going to blow me over but trying to walk you were staggering like you basically were doing this weird staggering walk to keep your balance when you picked your foot up off the ground so i could only imagine like you know well over 100 mile an hour winds yes (laughs) like uh let me just say what's his name jim cantori whatever his name is i think it's jim cantori the 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 dude who's like the extreme weather chaser, like if he's in your town, you're fucked. Oh yeah, yeah. He was definitely in our town. Like he was, like, <laughs> like <laughs> standing up to the wind. Like it was. What fresh hell have you brought upon us? <laughs> For real, dude. So, so yeah, dude. We we did. Is this nickname the Mothman? Do people call him the Mothman? <laughs> they shows up and the best They should. They should. It should be something very related to that. He should have like red eyes and like moth wings or something. So, yeah, man. That was some shit. Like, that was that was a whole new experience right there. Oh, so, well. what set off the carbon monoxide? We don't was know. It, we don't like just, uh, so, just something get torn off and uh, just cause a leak or. Uh, so my uncle said, and this is just like you know, good old fashioned uncle logic right here. So bro science, bro science. He goes, he told my dad. He goes, oh man, you had six cats in that house. Yeah, man, I'm pretty sure all that fucking cat piss. <laughs> like, uh, it was actually the eight cats. <laughs> like, he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like, you know, it could just be that maybe you, because certain, you know, certain places in the ground just kind of leak carbon dioxide. That's why if you have a basement, you have to have the detector or whatever. Mm-hmm. I wonder if just like boarding up all the windows in the house just didn't allow it to breathe enough. Yeah, or that, something. That's pretty much what we're thinking. Like, we're thinking like it just. Because we all the power was out in the house, so it just kind of, you know, everything just kind of settled. And I think it just kind of, you know, no flow. No, all the windows boarded up. It's just, you know, <laughs> not a good time for carbon monoxide to escape. So, yeah. Anyway, we went back and, uh, <laughs> like, and uh, we didn't die, so that, that worked out. What's funny is, like, funny story, like, we were... So we're leaving the house that we were like sheltered in. And it's like probably we, we left my parents' house like 3.30 in the morning. We got to that other house and by 6 o'clock we were ready. It's like two and a half hours later. 
we were like, okay, let's go back to our house because the sun's coming up and the wind's kind of dying down a little bit. And as soon as I opened the front door, there's a little dove, like a little like baby, like a little gray dove sitting there. And it's just fucking soaked, man. This thing's covered in water. And it's sitting there in the, in like the, uh, the porch area, which is a covered porch. So it's safe. And it looks back, sees me get scared and jumps out of the porch and just immediately gets taken by like the wind. So it's like, (laughs) so it just goes, whoosh. (laughs) <laughs> it's just gone, dude. Like, imagine jumping into, like, a raging fucking river. Like, just, he's all, bah! And just gone forever. And I was like, that poor bird. He made just it through all this shit. Just inside real quick. <laughs> I was like, fuck. I just murdered that bird by being here. That's like the videos you see of people who, like, catch a mouse, and they don't want to kill it with, like, a mouse trap. So they, like, catch it in a box, and they release it into a field. <laughs> and then a hawk swoops down, grabs it, and flies off with it. That, that, was, that was like the exact like exact situation that happened. Like it was, it was not good. It's like, well, I'm definitely never seeing them them again. <laughs> like, well, that bird's dead. So, but yeah, dude, it's pretty wild, man. Pretty wild experience. Uh, would I sit out another hurricane at Category Four? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you do real, like. I just, it kills me that all you fucks stayed down there because, like, I had, like, all you had to do was make it up here and I had beds for you. <laughs> we could have hung out. So, I was, I was in, I, I went to Nova. You guys could have had the house to yourself. You could have done whatever the fuck you wanted. We wouldn't even have been here. We could have left a porno in your VHS in your room. <laughs> Nobody would have yeah. known. <laughs> Nobody would have known. It wasn't a VHS, it was a DVD. Oh, oh yeah. Porno DVD. He hasn't, he hasn't checked the VHS yet. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, man. So like at it like it was not a a thing <laughs> until Thursday. Like nobody nobody took it seriously as like a baby tr- category one until fucking Thursday went Super Saiyan on us. Like, yeah. <laughs> like last minute. It's like oh, by the way, I'm not gonna be category one. I'm category four. Uh, good luck evacuating. The roads are packed. <laughs> yeah, Get dude. Fucked. Yeah. Like, Houston, Houston oh. did not evacuate solely because they knew that they did not have a mandatory evacuation solely because they knew that the roads would be overwhelmed. And, and those exact roads also flooded over. So people would have like died trapped in their cars in traffic. Yeah, exactly. We're not Houston's not the best place like that, to be in a hurricane. Yeah, that that was the most surreal I thing. I was there me. when it wasn't a hurricane, and I don't want to go back just from driving around. Just tried to drive from one fucking side of the... When I, remember when I went to the wrong airport and had yep. to drive all the way across to the fucking other airport? Ooh. Yeah, fuck that. Hobby I can't imagine <laughs> doing that. Hobby and Bush are not near each other at fucking all. <laughs> like, so, yeah, no. Yeah. But yeah, man. It was, uh, it, was, it was wild. It was a wild experience. I, uh... Man, I, I definitely, definitely appreciate all the people checking on me, though. That was, uh, that let me know, like, everybody's like, man, dude, like, <laughs> like, I've never seen the name Victoria, Texas on my television, except for when that dude tased that old man. <laughs> so, so now that I'm seeing it, like, over and over again on, like, Weather Channel and shit, it's pretty, I just need to make sure you're okay. Yeah. Yeah, Thursday, like, before it even like escalated that bad, I'm like, you know what? Work's not going to hold it against me. I'm just going to take the weekend off. I'm just going to sit this one out. I hope everybody doesn't think I'm a pussy. 
And then like halfway to getting to where I'm evacuating to, I've got a friend up in uh, Colleen I was staying with and like halfway up there, it's like, Oh, like my family calls me like, yeah. So the, it's now mandatory evacuation. Apparently this thing's gonna be category four and apparently nobody can get out. So feel lucky that you got out when you did. I'm like, holy shit. I love you, mom and dad. <laughs> See you on the other side. <laughs> y'all be safe. Y'all have a good weekend. <laughs> yeah, all right. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> it's like, all right, all right I'm, I'm, I'm kind of trying to continue getting the fuck away. But yeah. So how did Zach's house get damaged? Zach's Houston house? Yes. I don't know. I don't have the answer for that. Oh. Okay. Because that's he's the only person that... I haven't. I know that he evacuated, so I know that he is personally safe. But I don't know about his belongings or his house. I was just curious. Well, he lives in San Marcos now, but I oh, okay. don't know if they've sold their house yet. So I don't know. That's a whole thing. He lives in or does he okay. live in San Marcos? Is it San? Yeah, he lives in San Marcos. I think I'm pretty sure that's where he lives, closer to San Antonio, which means he was like super safe the whole time, unless for okay. some reason. But he he's fine. Everybody in TFL is fine. Uh, everybody's good. Uh, the only person who probably got the worst of it was Jay, uh, because he lives in Port Lavaca, which is really close to the coast and he had some shit. So, but he was well evacuated out. Does he need help with anything? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, if he does, he hasn't told us, but he definitely, uh, um, Definitely had some issues with his banks. We had banks that were shut down. Like, so like, like whole banks where their just infrastructure was based in the area. So if you banked with this bank, you couldn't check your account from anywhere because those servers are all down. Yeah. You couldn't get money out of this certain bank and all this stuff. So like some people were just lucky they had cash because like they couldn't leave if they wanted to. It was pretty wild, man. It was like a little taste of like what the apocalypse would be. Like, if, like, uh, you yeah. know, you're just kind of like fuck. <laughs> like if uh, <laughs> if the lights just didn't turn back on, we could be fucked. Like, <laughs> like there's a lot of people that are like going to be buying prepper shit from now on. I'm sure, just for when that day comes when we just get EMP'd by China or some shit like that. Yeah. So. So yeah. So no, that was some that was some hurricane shit right there. Um. To get some hobby progress done, like oh, hold on, before we go any further, guys, let me go ahead and tell you what this show's about because we have not touched base on that. So, of course, we're gonna do the normal intro, which includes some hobby progress on that one. Uh, we got some voicemails, including an industrial accident story. Uh, Ryan's got some Nova talk. He's gonna go ahead and bring up. He's gonna bring up how him and uh, Emily enjoyed Nova and all the fun things that they did there. Uh, then we got some. We're gonna talk about the New Zealand snacks but we're not going to go into them because we're going to wait for Scott to not have the shits anymore to come on and then we're going to maybe gonna he go. ate too many New Zealand snacks no I'm just playing they didn't give me the shits oh yeah nobody let's put those like let's <laughs> he got a good point uh, then we're going to talk we got two lists we're going to go over one's going to be a Raven Guard Drop Assault Vanguard list and the other is going to be a Death Guard Reaping list so both of those should be awesome. Ryan's really excited about that Raven Guard Drop Assault Vanguard list, so we'll see where that goes. So, anyway, I was going to go ahead and just jump right into hobby progress and all that on my end, just because I'm working on it right now. But for those of y'all that are interested, and for those of y'all that have been wondering, 
the Redemptor Dreadnought arms fit on the Leviathan with a very small amount of conversion. So I went on eBay, found a uh, bits bit seller that was selling all the all the Redemptor um, all the Redemptor arms. Got two of the assault cannons because I wanted to make a badass fucking. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, Death Blossom Dreadnought using the assault cannons instead of the uh, storm cannon. Storm cannons, uh, but it's going to take a little bit more conversion. But at the same time, I got the hand. I decided to just go ahead and pick up the hand just to see what it looked like, and it fits just fine. So I'm super excited about that. That was one of those hurricane conversions. While I was sitting here with no power, I was like, "Well, got no power, but I can definitely convert some stuff using sunlight." So went ahead and did that but i'm gonna found out that the uh the actual ammo canister does not go on both sides easily so i think i'm gonna have to green stuff make another ammo canister to fold around so we'll have to see how that works isn't out. there a way to like make a mold and then like do something where it makes a mirror image of the mold yeah so like if you mold press anything then whatever you create is going to be the mirror Okay, well, why don't you just do that? I think that's, that's what I was going to do. Like, that's kind of how I was going to oh, okay. green stuff, mold it, and gotcha. then just have that ammo can. Because if I, basically, if I swap it around, I'll have to bend the ammo casing to the other side, and then all I have to do is just reroute it and just put a tiny little flip over. Shouldn't be too hard. Shouldn't be too difficult, but I don't know. It looks cool because what I did was I took the... Uh, the Blood and Skulls Industry Assault Cannons on, and I put those underslung where the Leviathan has those underslung heavy flamers because all my dreadnoughts go to my Blood Angels anyway. So I figured uh, why, uh, why would I not take Assault Cannons on him? And so yeah. I put those two big Assault Cannons which are perfectly sized I think because those, those rotor cannons I was running they're just a little bit small and then I forgot that I kind of had a, I got a care package from uh uh, from Anvil, I'm sorry, Blood and Skulls Industries whenever we did the whole Dreadnought Leg um, deal. And I n- never saw these assault cannons, but they're perfect size for fitting underneath the, uh, the Leviathan. And then so I figured, you know, hell, dude, they look just like the assault cannon that comes on the Redemptor. So this is going to be one crazy-ass-looking fucking Death Blossom once it's all said and done because he's going to have four assault cannons in his hands just rules wise it's not going to be any different but it's just going to look fucking cool as shit it's going to look nice so and then on top of that i've got uh one night that i put together but i'm working on one right now he's got two twin majera claws he's stepping on some scenery it looks pretty cool but that's all i got that's all i got hobby progress wise what Derek. You? What about you, Derek? All right. Well, so I was evacuating. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did bring along some infantry to get painted. Uh, I didn't spend as much time doing that as I would have liked to. But uh, I did get to do some cool stuff over in uh, Colleen, which if you're not familiar with, it's over just a few hours north or uh, just about an hour or so, I think, north of Austin. Uh, just want to give a couple shout outs. Uh, if you're in like the Georgetown, like North Austin area, Check out, uh, was it Mellow Mushroom? Had some delicious, some fantastic pizza over there. 
I think they've been open about 18 months now, and dude, it was a really cool place. Had some great pizza. Uh, yeah, if you're in the area, just check it out. I can't recommend it enough. And then uh, also in Colleen, where we stayed, like the Colleen Fort Hood area, go ahead and check out uh, Quantum Leap Games. Or yeah, uh, Quantum Leap is a game store they had in there. A bunch of cool dudes. They had a whole bunch of uh, Warhammer stuff. They had some of the new Eighth Edition stuff. Uh, not a lot of Forge World stuff there, but they uh, they do have a pretty cool Horus Heresy gaming group up there. I didn't get to meet as many guys as I'd like to. Uh, I was mostly dealing with hurricane stuff. Uh, definitely, if I ever go back up there, I'm gonna check it out a little more. Kind of meet some of the guys, hang out. But uh, did, uh, did you find that 30k player that was looking for people in clean? No, I was looking for him, but like I said, I just didn't have enough time to like, you know, put my ear to the ground and uh, throw up some flags and try to find him. I hear you. Did they have a 30k scene in clean? That's what I hear. Uh, like I said, I only talked to a couple dudes. They said they got a pretty active 30K community up there. Dang it. More people for Heresy Camp. Hell yeah. Which might not be there anymore. We don't know yet. We have not confirmed. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm glad we haven't made that deposit. But, uh, <laughs> like, fuck. Uh, so, yeah, dude. Rockport is uh, got, like, the most direct hit you could get. Like, that... I would say 30% of that town is not there anymore. Yeah, you hear a lot in the news about Houston, but uh, Rockport, instead of being underwater, it's just gone. Yeah, it was just... Uh, just just it, gone. Just update your maps. <laughs> it, 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 they got, like, the worst part of the eye wall at the peak strength. It, it's just... It's not pretty. It's definitely not pretty, so... Uh, but that is where, we're gonna hold, where we were going to hold heresy camp. Uh, outside of hurricane season... But definitely that's where we were going to hold Heresy Camp. Uh, we still might. I just don't know. <laughs> might be what. just a little more camping involved. I, yeah, I'm not sure what all made it in there. I could probably, like, I guess I could Facebook it and see. Let me, I can, I can look it up. I can see if they, they did all right, but I'm pretty sure they aren't posting on their Facebook that Camp Irons on is safe and sound. I hope so. But. Oh yeah, I forgot. There's a there's definitely two things that we have on the way that I don't know. Should we should we talk about them? They're already ordered. I don't know if we should the patches. You want to talk about the patches? Sure. So, so we. Oh fuck. <laughs> yeah, they got oh. pictures posted up. Uh, uh it's, it's not terrible. Looks like yeah. Okay. Anyway. Uh. So anyway. So. We had this working in our Patreon chat, guys, and it's something that we did definitely want to. Uh, definitely wanted to get going. Um, so we originally talking. Well, I I brought up that I wanted to create some model that like travels from store to store. That's like has Ryan Kimmel wrote rules for it. So and like to make it almost impossible to beat. And like maybe like what? A, yeah, that's what when I wanted this, to do. I didn't hear. I I didn't hear about this. No. Oh. Well, let me explain. Why am I just now hearing about this? It was in the chat. It was in the Patreon chat, dude. I wanted you to like write a blood. Why is that rules. Nova? I wasn't bored in a basement, or you don't have basements. No. I wasn't <laughs> bored in a whatever you were in in the middle of a hurricane to invent silly things. I will start by saying this was pre-Nova, but that's okay, Ryan. I know you're a busy man. Okay. So my idea originally before the Patreons, the patrons took it over and completely made it into their own thing and 
pressured me so much that I could not not do it. So the original idea was I wanted to go make a patch, right? Go and make this like special patch that you can put on your on your battle foam case or whatever. And then like it's got like the head of a demon or like something like that, like dead, right? Like the, the dead head of a demon with like a sword through it or something like that. And the idea was we would have like Dave from Perpetual Painting or like Black Label Painting David Sampson paint up this like insane like demon model. Like I don't I don't care if it was like from another uh from like just some stupid demon, right? And I wanted okay. you to, I wanted you to write rules for this thing to be like fifteen hundred to two thousand points or like twenty five hundred points, right? Okay. And I wanted these like I wanted this model to be fucking near impossible to beat. Like like you needed every last bit. Like remember I was kind of talking about how we could like make it to where like it has like a rule called like I don't know, uh like something breaker, like sword breaker, something like that, where like whatever weapons you hit it with, they lose their like effect and just become normal close combat weapons for the rest of the game. Like, like your power fist just smashes against it. Just some stupid fucking demon. Right. And, or, or demon or I don't know anything. It could be anything. And then that guy, like we send that traveling from store to store around the country and people come up with their 2,500 point list that they think is like solely tiered to fight this fucking demon. Like you can take custodes, you can take whatever and all this stuff. Remember you and Tim both like kind of figured that, you know, you would just take this like special custodes model and you just take 20 of them or whatever. Anyway. Oh, the shield cap, the tribune or whatever. Yeah. Just take a shitload of shield captains, and just beat the fuck out of this demon. Well, anyway, so this thing travels the country, right? And we also send with it, like these patches. So like if you beat it, you get one of these like special patches. Like I slayed Fogonor or whatever the fuck this like Forgabundus, like this evil demon monster. Beelzebundus. Beelzebundus. Yeah, Beelzebundus. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you know, just go from there. So like that was that was the original idea. I was like, this would be badass. You know, we can have this demon model, and like everybody gets to, like pull their twenty five hundred points together, and then like you try and fight it. And then whoever the store owner is just gets to, like beat your ass with his demon, like <laughs> you know, plays it right until they get up against like a Ryan Kimmel or like a Aaron Alien or something like that, and just gets their ass like the demon just like come here, come here, you fucking attack bikes, <laughs> get over here. <laughs> so anyway, so that was my initial idea was like to make this little patch, and then the patrons, you know, love you guys because you you always point me in the right direction. They thought it would be cooler. They, like, they, I like the idea of patches. They really do. And, like, they enjoy the idea of having a patch that you can show on your case to show that you did something special. And so they're what we're having created, which we already ordered. We got the proof and everything like that. Uh, we're ordering 100 closer patches. So, basically, this is a patch, and it says hashtag closer on it. It's going to be black with silver lining and then 50 of them are going to be black with silver lining and then 50 of them are going to be black with gold lettering and all you have to do is send a picture in of your 2500 point painted army and you'll get a silver closer it's got to be fully painted you got to have like multiple pictures to send in everything like that 
and then we'll send you a closer patch. And then I don't know yet what you have to do to get the gold patch. I don't know, but we're going to go ahead and send half of them to the guys. Of we the got Eye this. Horse. We got this approved uh, by the Eye of Horse guys, by the way. Yeah. We, we stole their. Yeah. <laughs> it was, we, we definitely stole the whole closer thing from the Eye of Horse. Yeah, we infringed and, upon their IP, but they're cool with it. They said we could. Yeah, so like we definitely made sure that like they were going to be cool with this, so we checked with them, and we're actually sending half the patches their way. I already got Tim's address, so whenever they ship it out from China, which we're getting them from, these aren't American-made, but anyway, uh, whenever they ship them out from China, because that's where they make them cheap, then half of them will go to Tim, and he will, he will take care of all the Aussies, and then half will come over to America, and then ideally what I'd like to do is I'd like to send some to the guys in Sweden, and then send yeah. some... Uh, to the Geno 5 too, so we can kind of have a a good like a base. a base like hey guys can you send this to so and so in the UK can you get that over to Mr. Dan Porter because he already earned one like yeah so but so yeah is that we definitely know the silver patches was going to be 2500 points if you have a full 2500 point list uh, painted army fully painted 100% painted you know three color minimum looks good I don't know who's going to judge how good it looks but Maybe a gold should be a 2,500-point loyalist army and a 2,500-point trader army, so you can play both sides. You know what? That would be fucking brilliant. Like That is a fantastic idea. That is a fantastic idea, Ryan. So, so yeah, but we're going to have a little bit more discussion on it. We'll probably, probably talk a little bit more in-depth on it. We have not decided what to do with the gold, but we're going to make it really hard to get the gold so the people who have the gold are like, hey, check out that case, bitch. And then it's like, oh, my bad. Like this guy, this guy plays heresy. So we definitely, definitely have that in the works already. Already approved the proofs. The proofs came through to approve during Hurricane. So I kind of missed the proof approval, but I, I approved it this past week. So pretty cool. We'll Look make it up to Tim for stealing their IP. I'm going to do a collaborative uh, contest with our podcast and his podcast and they're going to use our, we're going to use our voicemail system to do it. I dig it, dude. I don't know how that's going to work out, but I fucking dig it. Well, they're going to have to, cause it's a, it's a uh, audio contest. They have to call in to our uh, voicemail and leave us a voicemail for this contest. So, but we'll share the audio with Tim so they can play the voicemails on I have Horace, and we can also play them on our show. And then whoever has the best one, uh, going off the criteria that we're going to give, wins a special prize. That's fucking exciting as shit. I'll be so, looking forward to that. Yep. Nice. So, anyway, that's what we've been working on. And then, of course, we also have Radio Freest Van Dice that we need to start working on. That's something that, like, totally fell through the cracks. Um... I just don't know how we're supposed to get that done. Like, I don't really know what the best way to get these dice distributed out. Um, so we have worked out already with um, one of our awesome patron supporters, contacted Chessex, got these dice quoted out. I think right now we have enough people to get together where we would, it would only cost 50, cent a, 50 cents a dice. And yep. so we can get, you know, you get like a full Radio Freest van, black dice with white lettering for 50 cents a piece. And we just need to find some way to get orders processed for it. So we're going to have to find, I don't, I'm not really sure if like we should just do like a GoFundMe or something like that or 
just to get the money up front or if we should just order could you just do a kickstarter kind of like you were talking about doing the for heresy um, camp heresy camp yeah yeah we definitely could so we'll have to see about doing that if you have any suggestions guys on how the best way to get that distributed i was thinking if we just bought them initially and then distributed them out through ebay and then like have a like a shipping truck because shipping is what would actually like kill us is just like all the amount of like little seven dollar shipping. yeah but ebay charges you a fee to sell and then they also charge you a percentage of the shipping so i don't know we don't know guys we don't this is not we're not good at this it's not a it's not a super (laughs) professional operation (laughs) we don't if you guys know if you guys figure it out and you're like oh i've sold dice before this how i did it just let us know we'll definitely accept any sort of recommendations you have we do want to get those dice out to the guys so but anyway ryan man what kind of hobby progress did you have going into nova okay so i painted up some of the miniature building authority buildings did you see the picture of that yes i did they looked great so those are like the resin ones uh that are like their scrap i forget what they call it i think there's I don't know what their actual product name is for it, but, but if you go to the Miniature Building Authority website and look for like the um, buildings that are like made of like aluminum sheeting, like scrap-looking buildings, it's that line of buildings. Um, I bought one of each of uh, their setup, and then I've painted a couple of those. Then I also painted a big uh, scrap fort. It's modeled off of the old cardboard... Gorka Morka fort that came in the Gorka Morka box set. Um, but I built my own out of just some random bits. Um, there's this company called Anesty Castings that makes these really low... They make this thing, it's like a, a scrap village, but the walls are pretty low. They're like Aegis defense line height. And I took those and carved down into the top like with a Dremel, like took a thin blade and cut a rent, like glued them all together and then cut a a trench down in it and then stuck plastic card down in it to extend the wall up and then put a bunch of scrap pieces and stuff in the joints to make it all look solid. And I built like a little workshop in there and like a little barracks building and put some smokestacks on it and built like a little fuel depot and some cages and all that to kind of make a bigger version of the Gorka Morka fort and then also to use it in other games. And I even made a gate for it uh, uh, that actually functions. It actually has like hobby chain and all that and i build a little motor that you can turn the motor and it actually raises and lowers the gate guys if you haven't seen that go check out our facebook page radio fist van and you will see that ryan actually used some some of the best lollipops in existence i think the everybody can agree that the green apple caramel lollipops are <laughs> definitely <like, laughs> so what, what happened was i made it to work and the I had the fort all ready to go, like it was already, and I I just needed to build the controls for the door, and I ma- I brought all the materials in just to build the little platform and to build the motor and all that to, and then I was going to start painting on it. Um, I didn't want to like because I needed to prime everything before I before you can paint it, obviously, and I need to have the pieces built before you can prime them. So I was like, well, this will only take me like a half hour, and then I can prime it real quick, and then I can paint it the rest of the night. So I get there, start working on it, and 
immediately I'm like, well, shit, I left my plasticard rod and now I don't have the proper materials to build this thing. And if I can't finish building it, then I can't start painting it. Now I'm, you know, don't, I'm not going to like get any progress done. So I'm like scrambling, looking around for something I could use. Like that's like the right diameter or whatever. That's like a rod type thing. I'm looking around and I, <laughs> I look on my desk and I got this back of suckers. So I reach in and grab the sucker stick and I'm like seeing how like rigid they are. You know, and they got like that little bit of wax coating. And I'm like, I think this will work. So I ate a few suckers and salvaged the sucker sticks. And uh, I took a drill bit and hollowed them out and then put some metal rod through them to keep them uh, real rigid. And then I took some heat shrink tubing and slipped it over the outside and shrunk it down to give it a plastic coating where it wouldn't like be damaged like through painting or whatever. It wouldn't get all soggy and weird. And that's what that motor shaft is made out of, is used sucker sticks and some heat shrink tubing and some metal wire I pulled out of the metal recycle bin. That's some engineering right there. Yeah, man, that's making the best of a not great situation. (laughs) 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 So, Tim, Ivor's Tim called me a Jawa. He thinks I'm a hobby Jawa. Something just broke. Yeah, that's cool. Kitty knocked a glass off the table. Oh. Um, So... Yeah, so that's that's I put a post on the our Facebook about um you know, my fat ass eating suckers or something like that. And then my wife got a kick out of it because I got home and she goes, "I noticed in your post you said you had to eat suckers to make this, but I know you well enough to know that you ate extra suckers more than what you needed for the materials, am I right?" And I was like, "Well, of course." So <laughs> And those are the best suckers. Like, I'm glad you had those lying around because that means you're a man of taste. I love those green apple caramel suckers. Those are the best. They'll we'll definitely pull out some fittings if you have, like, any caps on your teeth, but solid. So, yeah, that was pretty funny. So, I got that fort done. It's fully done and painted up. Did I, do I, did I post fully painted pictures on the Facebook? I don't remember. I believe you did. Okay. So those are on there, and then I painted those miniature building authority buildings. I don't know if I posted pictures of those on the Facebook or not. They definitely made it to our Patreon page, but I don't know. I think they they made it to our Facebook. Let me just double check. But if not, they will get put up tonight, guys. Yep, I can do it right now, actually. They're not on there. I just didn't want to post it twice if it's not on there. Let's see. All right, so yeah, that was pretty much... Oh, and then obviously going to Nova um, ate up a lot of my time, but while I was there, I played in the Dark Age Build Plus Play where you get you pay $48 and you get a 500-point army for 48 bucks, and then you get to build it with their materials and glue, and then you get to play a two-round tournament. So I guess that counts, right? I built models and played, even though it wasn't 30K. Yeah, totally counts. That's badass. Cool. <laughs> Sounds perfect. I don't see pictures of that fort. I don't it, think I posted it on our Facebook. It All I see... Yeah, it just might have been the Patreon chat. All I see is the motor, the sucker motor thing. So let me post those right now. Anyway, this is very compelling, listening to me post photos. So now You finally see what you did with those uh, with those tiles, man. Those tiles were great. Like you went, and, you went and painted each little individual piece of scrap a different color. So yeah, very cool. Yeah. 
Yep. It took a long time, but I think that board turned out. And it's in the pictures. It's four by four. But uh, you can actually... Um, I have the extra tiles and I have extra buildings where you can uh, make it a six by four because it's what me and Scott played on. I just didn't have the fortress done at the time. And where is the other building? Well, rock Sorry, rock, I'm talking to myself. No, you're good, man. You're good. People love seeing your hobby progress. So. But anyway, now is that pretty much all you have, Ryan? I can go hop over to voicemails now. Yep, that's it. Sorry. Okay, do you want a voicemail first or you want an industrial accident story first? Ooh, um, ooh. Well, you get to listen to both. Okay, well, I'm going to play the voicemail first. Okay. So, here you go, fellas. Hey, guys. It's Ben from North Carolina. The better Ben. Not that Ben. The best Ben. Uh, I went to the Battle of Carolina. And I guess you guys saw a few of those photos there. Had a good time. It's definitely been a long time since I played Seven Edition Rules, especially my area. But I will tell you right now that next time they have anything going on in Matthews, North Carolina, I will definitely be going back to those. I had a blast. I mean, the only game I came out even close to winning was against uh, Pedro. But, you know, that was a tie. The other ones, I just got rifle, rifle stomped and curb stomped with the rest of my guys. It was horrible. But I had a great time. That's what matters right there. There was nobody really power gaming, but I'm used to with, you know, 40K. But, man, it was just, I had a great time. So, I cannot. Joe, you did a great job. I don't know if you listen to Radio Free. You probably do. But, Joe, you did a great job. I'm glad you invited me. Thank you. I will definitely be there again. And, uh, yeah, Sam actually lost that game. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) So, at some point last week, we were actually supposed to have Samuel Pedro, we're supposed to get a breakdown of the uh, Coralina, Battle of Coralina. Uh, unfortunately, with you know a hurricane rolling through, we kind of missed out on a lot of fun stuff we were supposed to do. But I am still going to go ahead and get a hold of Sam and have that breakdown of the event here in the near future so we can go ahead and let you guys know how that event went down. And then maybe you Carolina people will make make the effort to go uh, go check it out. So... But uh, glad you had a good time, man. And uh, Sam, it looks like there's some uh, contention to whether or not you won that game. But I guess we'll find out. Oh, wait, no. I guess from the beginning he <laughs> said he, he won. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Oh, well. So this next one comes from Douglas Thompson. This is actually an – he had a Raven Guard list, which you are going to go over later on in the show. Uh, but he does yep. have a, as he puts it, a good old industrial accident story for you guys since you are falling short, and I'll be damned if I see that trend slip and a list request. So anyway, keep up the good work, you beautiful bastards, and I hope the story pleases you. So let's go ahead and see what Douglas says. So let's check it out. Hey, guys. My name is Doug out of Portland, Oregon. Long-time listener of the show, big fan. Uh, I was woefully disappointed last time i listened to you guys you didn't have a industrial accident story so i thought i'd pitch you guys one so i've been working at this metal plant out here for a while we mostly make a big industrial like airplane parts things like that uh this happened about 10 years ago it happened a 
few years before I started working there, but it's been confirmed not only by my coworkers but other people outside of there who have heard of it. Um, so we used to have these, and we still have them, but we use citric acid now, but we had these big industrial vats that uh, we lowered the, it, 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 at a point in the process, we lowered these giant metal parts into these acid vats, and back in the day it was sulfuric acid. We would lower these parts into these vats to get some of the moldings off of the parts and uh, lower them into these sulfuric acid vats. And they're like 10 foot high cylinder vats with double doors on the top. And you lower them, you hook these parts up to these chains and you lower them into the vats onto the chains. And uh, somebody like one individual person oversaw this whole process. And well, uh, one night it was some old timer, some guy in like his 60s who'd been working there forever. Not a whole lot of other people working there. He uh, he lowered it into the vat, and when he the process did its thing, and when it was time to haul it back up, the doors are supposed to open, the chain is supposed to rise, and the cleaning process is supposed to start. Well, there was a malfunction, and only one of the doors opened, and <laughs> him just being like some old wise guy, he thought he'd climb up there and just knock the door loose, knock the part off of the uh, door to get it to clear it and get it out of there. And went up there and started shaking the chain, rattling the chain, getting over it, started leaning over it, plop, right into a vat of sulfuric acid. And he was just thrashing around and screaming. It was some really grim stuff. And uh, luckily not really luckily didn't wind up helping him much two guys heard him from a couple rooms over came running in and hauled him out of there and uh they pulled him out and they were both horrifically burned saving him he he wound up only living a few minutes after that he ingested the acid his body was obviously horrifically burned the two people who pulled him out their arms and their torsos were also horrifically burned luckily they were handsomely compensated for what they did um it was it was some grim grim stuff like just being ingesting that much needless to say uh from that point on the the company uh went to citric acid which is still still pretty bad stuff but it would it takes a lot longer for it to do that but anyway uh that was probably <laughs> it probably shouldn't be that funny but you know we're all a bunch of sick bastards uh <laughs> this is probably the most grim industrial story I can possibly think of. Uh, also, uh, like I said, huge fan of the show. I've been listening a long time. I'm, uh, I was listening to your guys' last show, and you guys were mentioning uh, Raven Guard. 
and uh, Mr. Kimmel was really wanted to see a good list with uh, Korax, making Korax work. I'm just recently getting into Ravenguard and uh, want to start a good, solid, loyalist Ravenguard list around Korax. Uh, 2,500 points. If you guys can toss me a 2,500-point list with Korax around it, everything else is up in the air. Do it how you want it. It's all good. Uh, anyway, I love your guys' show. love everything that you do. Hope you enjoy the story. Uh, look forward to a list if you feel so generous. Anyway, have a good one, guys. Holy shit. Well, that was hands down the most grim industrial accident story I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> like, holy shit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So acid wasn't in my top three worst ways to die, but God damn it, it is now. I forgot that was a thing. Like, I just, like, I really don't know, like, at what point you're just like, yeah, honey, I work around these big old vats of fucking acid. <laughs> like, you just don't think about that shit. Yep. Yep. That was pretty fucking grim. Well, you're in luck, Douglas, because Ryan did write a list that he's pretty happy with. Uh, he's mentioned it a few times because. Me and him always have the discussion about Korax and how I don't think Korax is too great. And so I think that kind of spawned into this crazy list that he has for written for you. So, Which he might actually end up using for himself. If so. I were to play Raven... Because I've, I've always wanted to do a Raven Guard army. It's like if I do another Loyalist army, <coughs> that's a Stardis. That's what it'll be most likely is Raven Guard. I've just always had a hard time painting black. But I'm hoping to... I learned a few techniques, actually, at Sonova painting classes, and I might actually do Raven Guard when I do CK Studios next year and maybe really learn how to paint some black, and I might take on a Raven Guard army. Badass, dude. That is something that we do need to talk about. Let's go ahead and just jump right into Nova Talk since we're you know, pretty much there anyway. I'm very curious. So didn't you take a bunch of painting classes at Nova? Yes, I took a historic vehicle painting uh, class, a flesh painting class, and three airbrush painting classes. And so did Emily, right? Did she take all the Emily took she took the airbrush classes, but she did not take the historic vehicle class or the flesh class. So let's start by let's let's what okay, what was the first class you took? Uh the three airbrush classes because you had intro to airbrushing which was like really basic stuff but i actually learned probably i learned a, that was probably the most valuable class uh to me which sounds weird but we'll get to that and then there's one that was like airbrushing advanced techniques and then the third class was an actual hands-on class where you got to paint a miniature okay so let's listen to the what what happened at the airbrush basics class let's start with that so the airbrush basic class was like general airbrush knowledge. Like once you get an airbrush and get it out of the box, uh, different features it may have. What's the difference between all the different types of airbrushes, like double action, single action? What's the difference in siphon feed, gravity feed, all that? Different types of propellant, um, you know, whether it be the little aerosol can things you can do or a actual like tool an air tool compressor like that you would find in like a garage or body shop or a you know the standard airbrush compressor that everybody's you know that most people use when airbrushing 
um, what you need for ventilation or, you know, a little box that like Derek built something like that, like different tools you would need there. Um, mixture for cleaning your airbrush, uh, how you clean your airbrush, troubleshooting your airbrush. Like if it does this, this is probably the issue. If it does this, um, what air pressure should you be spraying at? How to mix paint for your airbrush? Uh, all that kind of stuff. Okay. What what tip do you think you could share with our uh, with our listeners that you did not um, think you would? Don't don't take your airbrush apart to clean it like ever. Like you've already fucked up if you have to take it apart to clean it. Really? Yep. That was like he. Wow. Yep, that's what I thought too. Um, taking your airbrush apart to clean it wears everything out in your airbrush, and it's like one of the worst things you could do for it. So he basically went through the process of how to clean it without taking it apart to make it good to go, and you should very rarely, if ever, have to totally disassemble it to clean it. Okay, that's fair enough. Even if you get everything all, like I Like so many people out there, especially like so many like painters that I know – that like have YouTube channels and all that stuff. They like they are pretty. Like this is how you fully disassemble your airbrush and clean it. So yeah, that's yep. pretty wild, man. He's he's very anti that. He says if you have any of those little pipe cleaner things that go down your airbrush to clean it out, to throw them away and never use them again because that destroys your airbrush and makes it jam more often because you're wearing off the finish that's inside of the airbrush that allows paint and because it's it's finished on the inside in such a way to make it as non-porous as possible so paint won't stick to it, so you have less clogs. So the more you take it apart and clean it, you're scraping away that finish, which will then cause more paint to stick, which makes you have to clean it more often and it malfunction more often, and then it eventually just wears it out and destroys it, where it won't seal and all that stuff. No shit. That's oh. wild. <laughs> so he is enough. big into just, like, airbrush hygiene, like... Well, I'll tell you, we had the, the hands-on class was a three-hour-long class, and doing it the way he told us to do it, like how you put the paint in the brush and how often you practice good hygiene on you know, cleaning it out on the fly, my airbrush did not jam a single time, and I didn't have to clean it until all the way at the end. Wow. What a, like, how were you all cleaning it out? Like, what, what method were you? So his mixture is uh, 10, 10% just normal isopropic rubbing alcohol you get from the store and 90% water. And he puts it in... Have you seen those bottles? They just look like a clear plastic bottle that's about six inches tall that has a straw. Basically, it looks like a straw that comes out of the top and then it bends over at a 90-degree angle over to a little tip and you can squeeze it and yep. whatever liquid's in there will just go up the straw and over the 90 and then in. Yep. Um, you have that and you just... Once you're, like, every so often, you you basically don't put a lot of paint in the airbrush. You don't fill the cup up ever. You just put very little in it and spray. And then when you get low and you need to add more color, before you add more color, you squirt a little bit of that alcohol in there and spray that out on the towel and then squirt a little bit more and then pinch the tip of the airbrush and push down on the thing so it back feeds into the, the cup. And then you release it, and then you dump the cup out without spraying through it. Because if you spray through it with the with what you just back flush, you're just putting everything back in it. And then you fill the cup just a little bit more with alcohol and spray it out again, and then put more color in and continue to spray. And that little process I just 
told you maybe takes 10 to 20 seconds to do. It doesn't take long because yeah. you're, you're already out of color. You just grab the bottle that's sitting right there, squirt it in, then spray it out on a towel next to you. You know, put more color in it, pinch the tip of the airbrush, hit the button until it bubbles up, dump that out in the cup. Just, you know, turn the airbrush over and dump it out because the cup's on top. Put more alcohol in it, spray it on the towel, then put more, your more paint in it, and then start spraying again on your model. Holy shit, dude. That's a, uh, that is, so I'm terrible with airbrush hygiene just because like, you know, I just assumed you paint until you can't paint no more. And then like you just run some airbrush cleaner, spray it out until you have a clear color and then, uh, go about your business. But okay. So yeah, that's, uh, so he does it. So he said that he does it like every third so he fills the cup of of the cup on top of the airbrush about a quarter full, and sprays it, and then he'll put more paint in and do and you know another quarter full, spray it, and then the third time he would go to put color in, he cleans it out like I just said, and then puts more color in it. Hmm. And he and it depends on what paint you're spraying, but he says he does it about every third or fourth time he would put color in it. He does that little method, and it fixes it. And then you also have. Uh, q-tips to the side and you can also take a q-tip and dip it in the same alcohol and rub it around the needle where the needle sticks out on the end to clean the little nozzle and needle if you get little chunks there dig it okay i just so today the i don't know if you saw that jamie posted up that uh uh that web web airbrushes web airbrushes.com had a labor day sale Okay. And so I just picked up a Patriot 105 and a Sotar 2020 just because nice. they were super cheap. And mine yep. is not in the best shape because of, for one, airbrush hygiene. And for two, like the whole original me letting it sit in acetone overnight. I just never yep. never recovered from that. So <laughs> so I got another one on the way. But, dude, that, that tip, if you think of any other tips like that, I'd, I'd be glad to hear them because... Uh, well, I don't want to like go through the whole class on here because like no, he yeah, charges no. for the. I'm yeah. saying like so, but I mean, like, if there was one thing that I learned that I was really fucking up is that, and I've never sprayed that long, uh, without having an issue. And I also I've never used a gravity feed airbrush before. The airbrush I have is a siphon feed, and you know we've talked about it many times on here before. I basically just use mine to do base coats, and you've seen my models. Yeah, um, they look good. I'm pretty good at laying down base coats, and I can get a nice Zenithal, you know, look where it, you know, get a good fade on it. So I'm okay with that. Um, but that's pretty much all I used it for. And I was using tons of paint. Like I always like people are always like, "Oh, airbrushing saves you so much paint." I was always like, "Well, they're full of shit." Like I go through way more paint. I mean, it gets a nicer finish, but I was like using way more paint because I was using the siphon feed with like a giant fucking nozzle and spraying it like 40 PSI. And it was basically just a glorified <laughs> rattle can. Um, in this class, we were spraying at like 14, 15 PSI and just putting a little bit of paint in there. And it went way further than I've ever seen it. And he also just doing that little class. I learned way more control over the airbrush where I could, I can see now how people can actually, get in and do some fairly fine detail with an airbrush. Um, which before, like I said, I was just using it to spray um, base coats on stuff. I never ever even would have considered going in and like spraying just a small area of a model with an airbrush. I would have always just 
base coat of the model and then painted it with brushes. Hmm. Okay. Good to know. I'm, I've always been interested to see, like, because I always see, like, when painters, like, professional painters fill up, load up their airbrush, they always put that, like, dab of fucking paint in there, and they go and paint, like, a whole model, and you're just like, how the yep. fuck did you just get that out of there? And, yeah, dude, I paint it, like, 25, 30 PSI. Like, I, I, I ball out when I paint my nope. models. It's all about your paint. Like, he showed us, it's all about how you mix the paint. So, depending on how you mix the paint, it determines what the PSI needs to be. So he said, if you go online and you ask the question, what should my, how do I mix my paint and what PSI should I spray at? There's not a correct answer. If anybody gives you an answer, they're wrong because it's situational for every situation. There's so many variables to that, that there's no right answer. You just have to learn from experience how the airbrush is behaving and what the look you're trying to get and what kind of paint you're spraying through using it and just kind of figure it out. Um, now he showed us, you know, a few things to get us close, but he's like, you know, if, if we're doing this right now at this PSI with this paint, if I switched over to this other type of paint, we're going to have to, you know, add more or less water to it to get it to the consistency we need. And we might have to adjust the PSI. It just, it's all situational. So it's not something you can just Google on the internet and somebody give you an answer. If they do their, you know, it's their, their, it, it just it's not something possible you can get an answer to like that that's fucking wild dude that is definitely wild <laughs> this guy sounds like hey what do you know about airbrushing oh i know you're wrong yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're so fucking wrong. they're teaching they're teaching their like advanced class which is basically like it's the closest thing i could say it's like it's essentially like mka it's a two-day course where you paint for eight to nine hours each day. So it's at least 16 hours of classroom time. Um, and instead of doing like MKA does the tanks, uh, these guys do a, 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 a contemptor dreadnought. Okay. So um, they're actually, they go all over the U S and teach. Um, I'm taking their, uh, their Lansing, Michigan class um, early next year, like in February or something like that. But um, they're also at most of the big cons. Like I know they're at Adepticon. And they were at Nova, and I think they did Gen Con, but I think he said he wasn't going back, that Gen Con was just too big and too insane. So uh, these three courses that I took, you could probably take at a convention. And then if their big mega class comes to your town, I would recommend taking it. I, I really enjoyed uh, the classes. Dig it. What was the name of the, the company that does it? I know that they had it's a Dallas course. Yes, it's CK Studios. Yeah, CK Studios, guys. Go check them out. Go see if they're coming to your area. I know they were in Dallas, and I know they were also in like the Seattle area at one point. Both both had classes. Some and of our Emily took the class with me and liked it, and I. Uh, so I'm going to make her take the Michigan class with me too. So we're going to both do that together. Badass, badass, dude. Any other classes you took you want to talk about? Um, the James Wapple. Uh, uh, weathering historical miniatures class was fucking awesome. It was a really small class. There was like eight to ten of us in there, and he was like, "Ah, he's I don't know how to describe this guy. He's like a painting mad scientist. Dig like it. I always figured like all these professional guys would just be all like 
super straight laced and like, you know, the typical artist and have like this process, like this is my process this is how I do it. This dude was like, so I walk in and I liked him immediately. He had like a ball cap on and he had, he took an old gym sock and had cut the toes out of it where it was just a tube and then cut that tube in half and put half on one wrist and half on the other. And that's what he used to like wipe his brushes off on his wrists. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is what peak performance looks like. <laughs> you might not like it, people. Uh, and he was like, uh, he does everything, almost everything he does is with weathering powders. He's like really, really likes weathering powders, and he's really fucking slick with them. And he was showing us all the different ways to use weathering powders. And he uses a lot of the Secret Weapon miniature like weathering paints, and he went into a lot of products. Um, but it, like the haphazard way and let, and w- the way he does shit, like he just kind of like, and he even said like, cause he has, he, you, he does like Facebook, uh, videos for free. All you really have to do is, uh, like him on Facebook and you can watch his videos. He puts up tons of free content and he's a funny guy. Like he's very funny and entertaining. Like I was just sitting in it. Like he's almost like a Bob Ross for miniatures. He's not like as like. I needed you to say that so much. Like I was, yeah. Like it, it was, it was burning up. Like I was like going to be like, like an, is he like he's a like Bob an Ross? Edgier, he, he's an edgier Bob Ross painter guy. He's like blue collar Bob Ross, edgier whatever. And I think he lives in Chicago area. And he was a fucking blast just to be around. Just a super nice dude. Um, he's like that cool teacher like, in school who like. Is oh like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Really the funny. fun teacher, the one who like is like, hey man, I saw you smoking weed over there. That's all right. Like, yeah, that's exactly. Cool. Like, so, um, so yeah, like we just basically all gathered around, and he had this uh, Russian tank. I think it was like a one. It's whatever bolt action is, whatever that scale is, like, like one sixty fourth or one something like that, one seventy. I don't remember. I know, but I, know uh, what I hear you. Yeah. So. Anyway, he was we were, he was painting this tank and it was just a, like a seminar. So he he immediately like goes, "Well, I have this big TV, but fuck this big TV. We're not using it. Um, it like bigger's not always better. This resolution on this like fuck this thing." And he pushes it out of the way and he goes, "Everybody move their chair up here and just make a circle around me, like so close where we're almost touching." So he just got like in a little circle around him, <laughs> and he just paints right there in front of us and everything he would do. Um, he would show us and he was like, we could use some of this. And he goes, I've never even done this before. We're going to try this. He goes, is there any like other shit we want to mix together and throw on this thing and s- just see what it does? Like we got like, so like half the class. <laughs> is this a class? Like, like what is, Oh yeah. Like it's well, like, a, you just it's like an exploration of your body class. Like it's not like, <laughs> yeah, it was, I can't ex- explain it, but it was really fucking awesome. And a couple of our patron guys uh, took it with me so they can attest to how cool the class was. <laughs> like so, at the end of the class he's like i'm just kidding i knew what i was doing i just wanted you to try it out <laughs> like, it's yeah. like god dang it <laughs> but uh he showed us how to do like the cool like winter whitewashing on like you know military miniatures and like five or six different ways to get rust effect um a whole bunch of ways to get streaking just like different shit to get streaking um but he did a lot a lot of it was with uh obviously oils he had oil paints there or no, he didn't use any oils. He only brought acrylics because he was he didn't think that he could fly with oil. So everything we did was acrylics and weathering powder. Um, the only like, you know, 
volatile, quote unquote, volatile substance he had was just like rubbing alcohol. So he did everything with rubbing alcohol, water, weathering powders, and acrylic paints. He does said he does like to use a lot of uh, oils, but he didn't want to fly with oils and turpentine and all that on a plane to get there. Understand? That's understandable. That sounds like a fun class. That sounds like a cool teacher of, for a fun class. And like, man, what's his name? Like you said, you can look up on Facebook. What's his name? Yeah, uh, I think I think his last name's pronounced Wapple, but let me. I'll, I'll tell oh him. Oh my god, it. that's a cool like that is like hands down. That's a cool teacher name. Yeah, Mister Wobble, James. That's that sub. Yeah, James like, Wobble. Fuck yeah. W a p p e l. James Wobble. James Wobble. And he's at a he's a commissioned painter. If you get on Facebook, you can uh, if you look up his name and click photos, you can see some of the shit he's painted. He paints. Uh, Oh shit! I don't know Those if you custodies. Yeah, he just did a bunch of custody stuff. You see that tank right there? That's like some of his military miniatures. He does. Final class out of ten, total experimentation tank painted using super limited supplies. This LED to new tools and materials being created. Oh, this lead. Is that a little green Russian tank? Did he just post that? Yeah, yeah. That's the one we did in class. Oh my god, that's fucking crazy. That dude. is amazing. And he. He did that with just a few, because um, the whole idea of the class was like, he's like, you know, sometimes I want to paint shit, and sometimes I don't have the right materials, so you just have to look around the house and find the right materials. <laughs> so he's like, let's just say all we have is just like, like these fucking few weathering powders and these three colors of paint. Like, what are we going to do to make this right? And that's kind of like his, uh, you know, like, that was kind of like the idea of the class. Yeah, that's it that Russian tank that you see there with like the snow effect on it and the whitewashing and the rust. Um, we did that in that class in a couple hours. So I'm posting this to the radio freest man page right now, because I know people are going to ask here is Mr. Wapples class Vlad's. Okay. <laughs> class. Okay. So now all you listeners can just hop on the ra- the Radio Free on Facebook page. You're going to see Mr. Wapple, and if he posts videos, you'll be able to watch them because he'll share them on his Facebook page. Just go add him as a friend. Badass, dude. So many good fucking... So so many good little tips and tricks you learned over at Nova. What else? What other classes did you take? So I took the... Oh, here. There he is with his socks on his wrist. There's a little video. See the sock? <laughs> That's tight, dude. That's that's, that's that's during the class, I think. That's next or no, that must be a different class. Because he always wears a jersey. He's got he wears an old white sock jersey to paint in. He wears his ball, his white socks ball cap, or whatever the ball cap was. Um, but he's obvious. Oh, he's got a Blackhawk shirt, a white socks jersey, and then the gym socks on his wrist. It's pretty fucking rad. So that was probably the most like fun class, just because he was like really fun to be around. Um, so. The last class I had was a flesh class, like learning how to play. It was called artistic flesh tones. So I don't know how to say this. So I really, so the guy who painted the class is extremely talented, like extremely talented and really knows his shit. And if you are doing the application he's doing, that class would be super valuable and you would learn a lot. 
The problem is I don't feel like the description for the class, I don't know whether he came up with the description or Nova came up with the description or what, but for one, I thought it was a hands-on class, and it wasn't. It was just a seminar, and he was also painting bus, which is on a totally different scale. Because like the <laughs> like learning how to paint a face, you know, when the face is like the size of a Terminator, doesn't do you a lot of good if you're painting the face of a, you know, Space twenty-eight paint. millimeter. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not saying I didn't learn anything because I learned a lot. And it's actually pretty cool knowledge, but I don't know how applicable it is to what I plan on doing with my hobby stuff, if that makes any sense. Did Emily take that class? No. Oh, I guess she probably could have used it. It's the thing I was thinking, like, I don't know. Well, maybe. That's my thing. Like, I am going to... Okay, so this, this just has to happen. So I really enjoyed Nova. It was a great convention, but I'm actually even going to write them a letter about this. The description of their like classes slash seminars or whatever, they have to do a better job because I took five classes and, and I knew that the James Wapple one was just a seminar because it specifically said in the description, this is not hands-on, you know, I will basically be doing this and it's more just, you know, to display what I do to get for you get to, to get info from it. But it said right in the description that it wasn't hands-on. All of the other classes, of the four other classes, only one of them was actually hands-on, and I thought all four were, based on the description. And I wasn't the only person, because there were several people that walked in that said, I thought this was hands-on, and they went, no, it's not, you know, and whatever. And I don't know, but it has to, like... Because on their website, they have a seminar section, and they have a class section. So, I mean, I would think that anything in the fucking class section would be hands-on, and anything that's not a class, and it's just somebody talking, is a seminar. That's kind of the fucking definition of the words, right? Yep, yep, I get it. So, why are you putting seminar, what just was a seminar in the classes, and if you're going to do that, you need to, like, there needs to be a box or something, like... Whenever that description is written, it needs to say hands-on or, you know, not hands-on. Like, in every description, it needs to list that. Because um, there was, like I said, every class I went to, I was most of them I was shocked that it wasn't hands-on because I thought it would be, and it wasn't just me, it was several other people. And you were carrying your airbrush so, and your, <laughs> your tank around, or what? <laughs> No, because at the at the classes on the thing, it would say what you know. It said what materials do I need to bring, and then it would list the materials, and then it would say you know none at all. Like we will provide all materials needed or whatever. Oh, okay. Once again, leading you to believe that it's hands on, but obviously it wasn't. So, just bring your ears. So the flesh class, like it was, I thought it was going to be hands on. It wasn't hands on, and then it wasn't even really anything applicable to what. I'm ever probably going to do that being said. Yeah. That being said, it was extremely well taught and the dude is like a painting sorcerer. Like some of the shit he did with color theory and stuff, I would have never even a thought possible or thought to do and watching him do it. Like he's painting these colors on this guy's face. And I'm thinking, what the fuck is this guy about? Like, how is this going to work? And then he starts layering, this like flesh wash on there to like, I don't know. It was just, it was like some sorcery shit. So 
this guy's name was Matt DiPetro, D-I-P-E-T-R-O. He used to be the head studio painter for Privateer Press, which once again led me to believe that we'd be painting miniatures, miniatures but it yeah. was really painting. Um, that being said, like check out his work. It's he's a insane painter, and he had several like busts that he had painted in the cases. Um, if you type in just Matt DePetro miniatures and then do a Google image search and find some of the busts that he's painted, like look at the faces that he's painted and the flesh tones that he's painted, and it's unbelievable. <laughs> but anyway, so that was a cool class, but I just didn't... I mean, oh, we've already talked about it. Like, I, It was just kind of one of those, like, uh, I'm taking up somebody's spot that, you know probably could have used this some um, bust painter out there who definitely could have wanted this this class so like i said i still learn stuff but it i mean it's so i'm not mad that i took it but it's it i wouldn't have signed up for it if i didn't know if that makes any sense no i get it yeah, yeah i understand completely and I mean, the Nova guys. I'm sure they, the Nova in general, I'm sure has a, um, very open to criticism. So, constructive. Yeah, and criticism. I'm not trying to like. I just I feel like that's after going there and seeing my reaction, and then seeing that other people thought the same thing. I just I feel like they need to when they write a description for the event, or if the artists themselves submit the description, there needs to be like a, a key. You know, like they need to have like a, a step process of questions that they ask themselves that need to be in every description. Like, how long is the class? How much does the class talk cost? You know, what is the class about? Do they need to bring materials? Is it a hands-on class? Like that needs to be one of the questions that's answered in the description. That's fair. That's that's fair. Yeah. So what else? What so, other classes? So that was all the classes that I took. So, like, are you ready to go take some MKA now? Like, do you feel confident? Yes. I This this will actually... Taking these airbrush classes, I think, will actually help me a lot uh, going to MKA. Um, because now... Because, like I said, I never used a gravity feed airbrush before. And I didn't want to show up to MKA with my shitty siphon feed spraying at 40 psi and <laughs> you know fucking everything up, so. <laughs> everybody else is up <laughs> well i was laughing because caleb the guy that teaches the ck class or was the main teacher of ck class said that they call that student in the classroom pig pen and he said <laughs> the pig pen pig pen student is the one that turns the pressure up to 40, 50 PSI, and then holds the airbrush uh, like this far away from the model, <laughs> and is just spraying it, and they have a giant fucking cloud of whatever color paint they are around them in the class. You know what, Ryan? I feel you, man. There's, I mean, we're just, there's pig pens out there. I'm in the pig pen group still. <laughs> like, don't, don't you feel bad. We'll pig pen together. Yeah. We'll go pig pen in the garage, man. Get well, everything. Just... this is how crazy it was so there was there was like around 15 or 20 people in one room that's about half the size of my basement with 
no vent hoods or no anything, all spraying at the same time, and there was no visible like cloud in the room or visible or like a noticeable smell or anything. So I have this giant fucking window contraption that sucks all the shit out of my house when I spray. And one time I forgot to turn it on. I think we've talked about it on here before where I like had red mist on fucking everything in my basement. Had to like clean my whole basement because I sprayed for like an hour without a fan on. Yeah. Um, in this classroom, like I said, we had like 20 people spraying all at once and there wasn't any of that for three hours straight. So that's the difference in spraying how this guy taught us versus the fucking pig pen method that I use. <laughs> the pig pen. I love it. <laughs> that's fucking cool, dude. That's a, uh, I mean, that's all stuff that like you just, I don't know. It's, it's a, uh, I don't know. I, I don't understand how like some of these painters get to that point where they're like, they drop down from like 30 PSI to like the, like seven PSI and there's like, airbrushing little baby just like i don't understand like at what point they made it to that but i know that like that's pretty much like how everybody is out there so i don't know it's all stuff that you have to go to class for man yep so and my wife has been airbrushing for 17 years and she learned stuff and she already asked me if i had already ordered you know which i had that i bought that badger airbrush the uh, 105 at the um uh gen con but as soon as we got home, she's like, oh, we need to, where's that? Because I took uh, notes on my iPhone, just in the little notes app of what mm-hmm. we needed. So we're going to get on Amazon tonight and order all the shit. So, like, so she's pumped for it, too. What do you need to order? Those little uh, squirt bottle things, like I was talking about, like the big oh, tall okay. clear bottle with the thing that bends over. And there was, like, some different little Q-tip applicator things. I forget what they're called, what we need to get. And then, you know, like, uh, it looks like an eyedropper like this like one of these bigger eyedroppers, but one that's just all made out of plastic. They're like cheapy ones, like a, almost like a turkey baster thing, but they're not that big. Like a pipette? They're like... Yeah, yeah that. We, we need some of those. <laughs> AKA turkey baster. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I for, But I have notes on all the... I took notes. I even took notes on the flesh painting class for painting bus, just because, like I said, it was still was really cool information. I just don't know that I'll ever use a lot of it. Um, I'll probably still use some of it. I think a little bit of it would transfer down, but not a huge amount. Hey, dude, we'll get you some bust, boy. Like, don't you worry. I'll find yeah. some bust for you to paint. Didn't Forge World used to put out some busts? Forge World just put out a, a bust. No, no, it wasn't Forge World. It was uh, uh, Sideshow Miniature just put out a Terminator bust. There you go. It was like, Fifteen hundred dollars or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. We'll just get right pass. <laughs> hard, hard pass. Hard yeah. pass, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah let's just uh, let's just get that from China. <laughs> it's it's two it's two thousand dollars after that, and then if you come to the convention, it's twenty two fifty. Pretty much. And then if you're Australia, it's just just mail us your kidney. It's just five thousand dollars. Five grand. Off the top, one of those uh, one of those Australian cars that <laughs> we see that y'all drive around but don't know, that don't <laughs> exist anywhere else in the world. We want one of those. <laughs> we we have financing available. They do, dude. Forge World <laughs> does have financing available now. <laughs> oh, but anyway. So yeah, that was all the classes I took, and then I just had then I had two Dark Age events, 
that I did, and then I played the 30k escalation, uh, like the narrative campaign thing. Nice, dude. So, so just real quick, uh, word on the street is you were best loyalist. I mean, not best favorite loyalist or. No, it's be- I think it's called. I think it's called loyalist. best loyalist. I don't know. I don't have the. I put the award in my bag, and Chris Duncan has it because he drove back. Because I had two bags, I only flew with one, and then he drove with Aaron Alien up to the event, and he had the other one. He had he took my other bag up there for me, and then I just threw the award in that bag, and so it's at his house. So I can't tell you what it says, but I think it was just called best loyalist. So you were the best of the loyalist faction. Yeah, whatever that means. <laughs> Everything a loyalist is meant to be. Our team's still lost, so I'm the best loser, apparently. I'm a loser. <laughs> no, just playing. We all had fun. We were all winners. Well, that's good, dude. I'm happy for you. At least you. that's what I'll tell myself. <laughs> Was there any any uh, highlights of your games that you played that you'd like to shout out? Anything cool? Okay, so in my first game against Christopher Holmes, um, I ended up going first in the game, and just with the way the units he took and the units I took, and because my army is so shooty, and you're playing at low points, it's only a thousand points. I was able to like knock out his Contemptor Cordis and his um, Land Speeder. And then he had some stuff in reserve, and then I think I also like stunned a rhino or something, where it couldn't move, or maybe killed the rhino, something like that. And so it really pretty much crippled him from the beginning of the game. So it kind of got out of hand early. Um, so anyway, he was way behind in the game, and I charged in with my blade of salty tears, Praetor with blood angels, into this poor tactical veteran tactical squad with all these attack bikes and shit. And I'm used to this unit just, like, killing scary shit, like Terminators, things like that. So I thought, this medium-sized veteran squad with a Delegatus attached to it shouldn't be a problem. Right. Um, so I'm playing... He, they made him be traitor because the, the Loyalists had too many people, so they moved all the Dark Angel players to the uh, traitor side. Hilarious. Which is, you know, par for the course. Yeah, <laughs> par for the course. So I was playing against Dark Angels... And um, so this Delegatus, he ended up giving that guy the Tyrannic Greatsword, which has instant death. <laughs> and so he's, he swings it at me, and it's AP3. So I'm thinking, well, fuck, he hit me like three times. So I'm like, oh, god damn it. Because like, my attack bikes are normally two wounds to five. I'm not really that worried about it. So I'm like, well, this fucker's just going to kill all my attack bikes before they even get a fight. So I was like, ah, I'm already ahead in the game. I can just take these two up saves on my Praetor and tank it. You know, what's the worst that can happen? Well, the worst that can happen is you roll a one and he gets his fucking head lopped off right <laughs> off the get go. <laughs> and then, then because he gets his head lopped off on the first roll, the other two attacks that he was supposed to be a tanking, just go through anyway and kill the rest of the guys anyway. <laughs> so, so that was pretty fucking funny. Actually stand so, behind me, boys. I'll take it. Just, Fucking yeah. <laughs> gets Ned Stark like right there, <laughs> just yeah. done. So that was actually the only time my Praetor died all day. Was that the first game he got his head cut off by a Tyrannic Great Sword? But other than that, he had a good day. Just lop the fuck off. 
fantastic. And then we, the other funny thing in that same game, we had this one goddamn rhino. The rhino that that guy was in, I shot out with like my whole army. Like it withstood the shooting of like three fucking assault cannon, uh, assault cannon, uh, cyclone missile launcher toting javelins. And then I also shot a last cannon, auto cannon predator at it. And some assault cannons on some attack bikes and it lived through all that because he kept making four up cover saves. It just would not die. So I literally shot like my entire army at it and it just like, nah, I'm good. I still have one whole point left. And then his stupid delegatus, um, cut off my Praetor's head and then kept making two ups. Um, so I told him that he, he needs, cause he's in our patron chat. um, I told him that he needs to um, make like, some purity seals or something for that rhino and that delegatus because they were like, they punched way above their weight in that game. <laughs> some dark and god was watching out for Chris. <laughs> like, holy shit. We ended up calling the game before I was like, the, 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 del- the poor delegatus was surrounded um, with nowhere to go with, with a lot of guns pointed at him, but we ended up calling the game before I actually pulled the trigger on him. So, we could make up some story where he actually, you know, lived, or maybe it was an understanding, and the dark angels really weren't traitor, and we, you know, we let him live or something like that. So that guy needs to carry on and uh, continue to do the work of the lion because he was a badass. <laughs> That's fucking great. That's I dig it, and I, I I love Chris's Dark Angels by the way. So I bet that was just a beautiful game to watch in general, just paint wise. That was probably the best painted game I played. Um, the other uh, Austin, his army's pretty basic right now. I mean, he's he'll finish it up, but because he's playing white scars right now, it's pretty much just like white with a little bit of shading with like the details painted. He, yeah. He's wanting to go back through with some red and do some stuff, but he just hasn't made it to that point yet. So it was pretty like very minimalistic. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you cut up there. Okay, um, and then the last guy, Zach. Um, his army was painted well. Um, but I mean, Chris is just, you know, you've seen his, he's pretty, pretty damn good painter. So, I mean, not, not being as well painted as his army doesn't like, that's not saying anything bad about you. I promise. So. Fantastic dude. Rock and roll. It was fun to play against word bearers. I don't think I've ever played against word bearers. Uh, I've played word bearers before, but I don't think I've ever fought against word bearers. So I got to play against them for the first time. So I got to fight Lorgar and Zardu Layak and Dread Claws and Galvorback and all the mean shit that I do to people. Uh, I got that thrown at me. (laughs) Yeah, dude. We were kind of talking before the cast that you uh, basically just outmaneuvered. You, you're basically what would have been yourself. Like, if you you knew how to beat yourself. Well, I just... Because everybody always cries about how drop pods... I've heard that... I can't tell you how many times about how drop pods are easy mode. And drop pods are OP. And drop pods are this. And drop pods are that. And it sounds like they're just... I don't know. I, I don't know. that To me, that is just, like, retarded statements. Um, that army takes so much skill to use right... Um, you're only getting half your army at most, you know, turn one, and then you're going to have to fight one or maybe several turns with only half your army. So placement is critical and knowing target priority is critical. Um, it's a very 
high skill army to play. Now, once you do have the skill to play it, it is very devastating. And I guess that's what makes people think that it's easy because maybe they're playing against people that know what the hell they're doing. Um, but I wish I had that game on film and I'm going to pat myself a little bit on the back here. You know, sometimes you're just like in the zone, like when you're doing something, even if you do it all the time, like you don't feel it like you're, you're not, you're just having an off day. And then other times you're just like in a groove where everything feels automatic and everything you do is just the right move. Um, that particular game, I was on my A game and was one of the better games that I've played in a long time from a skill standpoint, uh, if I was grading myself. <laughs> and I, I wish I had that on film to show people how to fight against a drop pod army. Um, because it's like a text, like, it, you know, it's you could ha set up a classroom scenario and like just show people that video and point it out because it was... Um, I don't know. I, I can't... I don't know how else to say it other than that. Textbook fucking handling. Very cool. I, I Yep. And, um... Yeah. So his friends kept coming over and giving him shit because he, I guess, uh, uh... He did really well in his first two games. And then, you know, you know when you're with your friends, your buddies, like, when you play each other all the time, you like giving your friends shit. And then, especially when they're getting their ass beat in a game you like to come over and go oh look you don't have any models left and like make fun of them so his like local club guys were doing that to him him which was you know it was just funny watching them interact or whatever um but we still had a good time like he seemed like he was still having fun even though it wasn't really going his way and um afterwards i mean i explained to him i was like well for one he didn't he didn't know who I, he listens to the show but didn't recognize me <laughs> which I thought was weird. So then when I told him who I was, he was like, Oh yeah, this makes sense. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, he, he's, he's obviously going to listen to this, but he was a really fun guy to play with his, you know, his, his shit looked cool. It was all fully, he was playing a uh, last of the serrated sun, which is a great army. Um, it's just that I explained to him, I'm like, I play this army like a uh, three or like, we've talked about this all the time. How many drop armies I have and how long I've been playing drop pods. Um, I pretty much done and seen it all. So I when somebody else plays against me, I mean, I know all the, the tips and tricks. If I have the right tools in my army, which just so happened that I brought the right toolkit, you know, it's, it's kind of an all comers list, but I felt like I had the perfect tool for the job for that particular matchup. And, uh, it really showed. Do we, we've talked about it plenty of times amongst each other where like, I'm like, well, how would you handle your own list? And you're like, explain it to me and then you telling me how that game went was like the exact way you said that you would like take care of yourself just like just stay the fuck away it's like oh yeah if you were to do that to me i would just drive away from you with my attack bikes i would just stay far away from you and just keep moving over and over again until uh, i was out of range and i'd make you walk to me <laughs> as i shot you up yeah well it's it's i i'm the, i will usually pick position over just rolling dice and trying to shoot you dead. Like if I'm stuck with the choice of I, I, I won't be shooting this round, but I can reposition to put myself in a better position that will pay off. I won't be able to do anything this turn, but I will, it will save me from taking damage. And I will also reposition where then for the rest of the game, I will be able to safely deal damage to you. I'm going to take position where a lot of people panic or just do the easy thing and stand and shoot 
instead of t- prioritizing movement over shooting when they should have done it the other way around. Right. Uh, I get it, yeah, 100%, yeah. Because, like, uh, the first... My first and second turns with my army, um, half my army didn't shoot. I mean, it could have shot. I had targets to shoot at, but I picked positioning over firing. And then by the time the third turn rolled around, he was out of options. I mean, he, he was on foot, and there was nothing within range. Um, he could have like shot, I guess, a few bolter shots at me, but that's really it. But uh, his army was designed for close combat, and getting in close... And I just didn't allow him to do that with movement. Class, I mean, <laughs> that's tactics. That's just how it is. I mean, yeah. So I don't know. I still, I still, I hope he had fun. I mean, it wasn't like he did anything drastically wrong. I mean, I, I just with his army against my army, um, like. I mean, it's just a rough matchup for him. You know, I mean, he could have ran. I mean if somebody took my list that didn't know what they were doing with it and just like did the standard castle up in a corner that people always think that is the right move against drop pods and let all the drop pods form the fucking, they shall not pass wall of pods in front of your fucking lines. And then just let the pod suck up all the firepower and then everything assaults out of the pods. And then you're permanently pinned in the corner and can't get away. Um, you know, it would have went different, but I know better than to do that. Right. Absolutely. You're way more aggressive than that. <laughs> yeah. Way more aggressive than that. Would expect no less. So, but it was still fun. I had f- all three of my opponents were awesome. Uh, Chris and Austin and Zach were all really cool opponents and cool dudes. Um, oh, I, I don't, Zach, since he's a listener, you left your small blast marker on the table and I tried to find you like the last day and a half and I couldn't find you. <laughs> and I ended up giving it to Mark Rayleigh. So I don't know if you're from that area or playing any events with Mark, uh, but he's got your blast marker. So if you're listening to this, he's got your blast marker. <laughs> Fantastic. If you can hear me, <laughs> he has your blast marker. But yeah, uh, him and his buddy seem cool. We stood around and talked for a while afterwards, and they seem like a great group of guys. So if you're uh, out on the East Coast, you know, definitely try to find some of these guys that we're talking about and play. It seems like they got a pretty cool, you know, heresy group going, um, out there. So I don't know, fun guys to play with. Um, he was knowledgeable. Like I said, his shit was painted. It, it, I had a good time playing everybody out there. It's always badass, dude. Love it. Fucking love that they're coming out of that area. Just doing it right. Is there yep. a, um, I guess narrative wise, was it, was it good narrative? I mean, those Nova guys, I mean, Grang Legion always brings it in the hair, like the narrative. So they- it was more, it was basically more how I run my events. It was more laid back. It wasn't as elaborate as Adepticon, like where they had the big map and all that stuff. Right. Um, so it was more just like loyalist versus traitor. And then they had assigned missions for each round. And then obviously the terrain is great. As far as the, that uh, events of that size, I think they had better terrain than it may be anybody. Yep. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, it was narrative in the sense that it was loyalist versus traitor and that there were, you know, set missions and it was not like supposed to be in a competitive environment and there really wasn't, it was more about which, you know, loyalist or traitor winning. Um, and they gave out a lot of awards based on, you know, just like coolest dude, 
painting. They gave out an Alan Bly award for theme, which was really nice. Um, and then they walked like Mark did his thing where he, you know, walks around and like gives like all of a sudden it's like, here's a building with a missile launcher that you have to fight now. So I'm trying to remember. I only got one dropped on me once in the first game I played against, um, Chris, Chris ended up getting a little turret thing that was like, like a missile launcher turret. But, um, it didn't, it was kind of placed close to my deployment and I stunned it round one. And the problem was it was a Skyfire one. So, and I didn't have any flyers. So it could have shot my javelins because they're skimmers, but I just flew my javelins because it was on one end of the board. I just made, put my javelins out of range where if it shot at me, it was just snap firing basically. Right. And it didn't really do it a lot. <laughs> but the, the funny thing, it didn't happen to me, but you know, Mark loves his, uh, oh, you didn't go to, Adepticon this year, no. no he had he made up he made up stats for an owl bear for D and D. Yeah, I've, and, I've heard of this thing. Yes, and he would put them like because at Adepticon they had these little like shipping containers with the objective. You didn't know what they were; they were secret. Mm-hmm. So when you got near it, you turned the thing over and you actually punched a hole in the bottom. It had like a little door you had to pop out, and then you pulled out a paper and it told you what the objective was, and it had like candy and shit like that in there. Well, there was one crate that had the owlbear miniature in it, and you had to replace the crate with the owlbear, and it had stats, and it, like, attacked whoever got it. Well, at this event, the first round, there was six numbered objectives that were all face down, and when you got near one, you had to flip it over, and whatever number it was, you had to consult the chart. Well, one of them was the owlbear, so I guess there was a game that the owlbear killed 70 infantry on one table. Jesus <laughs> Shut the fuck up. It killed. It killed like one guy's. It's like three quarters of one guy's army. It just kept killing enough guys to sweep the squad and then move on to the next. And it killed so many of those. It, the closest models end up being the enemy, and then it went back through the enemy and killed most of his shit too. Holy <laughs> and shit! And nobody so could like, shoot it. Both players. Nobody could shoot it because it was. Yeah. So <laughs> temporary funny. So until the fucking greater menace is destroyed. <laughs> Exactly. So for the rest of the day, it was a running joke that it was Loyalist Trader and Albear were the three teams. And when they read the results, uh, Team Albear was actually the winner of the event. And then the Traders got second, and then the Loyalists got third. <laughs> <laughs> you got third place in the Civil War. Congratulations. Um, but it was pretty funny. So I didn't, we didn't, me, uh, me and Chris didn't end up getting the Albear. Um, we didn't reveal all the objectives. I think we revealed like three or four, um, and it just didn't happen to be that one, which sounds like it was a good thing. <laughs> Fuck, that thing sounds <laughs> awful. What were its stats looking like? Like, how was this thing ridiculous? It wasn't that crazy. It was. It's basically kind of like it's similar to a Castellax because I fought one at Adepticon, and I'm assuming it's the same. It's just because you were only playing a thousand points, and a lot of guys brought a lot of infantry. And it's like a tough seven four wound thing, and it it only has to win combat for a one or two, and then if you fail your leadership check, it sweeps you. And I think that was the, what it was doing. And it was just like a crazy confluence of events where nobody could pass a fucking leadership check, and it just kept sweeping squad after squad. Mm. <laughs> it's fucking badass. You fucking owlbears. <laughs> Ruining the so day. It, like I said, it was. It's not like it's crazy. I mean, it was. It's pretty high toughness. It's like tough six or seven with like three or four wounds. Um, and it's like four attacks at strength six with rending. So it's not even like ignoring your armor or whatever, but I think it was just like, like I said, winning combat by one or two and sweeping squads. 
I dig it, dude. That's fucking. <laughs> that's that's boss. That's fun that they could have something like that, and that's like this running inside joke now that there's owl bears out there. That's a real threat to the forty first. Yeah, millennia. and you know how they always do the essay contest. Oh, you were see that's something you got to get in on these inside jokes. You keep missing out on all these cool fucking events. Oh, I'm sorry. So <laughs> I think at all I'm these events, cursed at this point. <laughs> there's yeah, definitely they, something they have going a, on. Uh, so at the bottom of all their score sheets, they always leave a little section where you can write like a cool, like just like say something nice about your opponent or say something cool about the game, and you can write in it. And what they want you to do is write like a little essay, and the the they take the top essays that people write and read them out loud, and they actually give awards for it. So like Freddie the Swede won won one at Adepticon. So one of the ones that won this year was about the owl bears. It was pretty fucking funny. And if you go to the Nova Open Heresy, the Nova Open Heresy events page, they actually took a picture and have the uh, three winning essays where you can read them. Uh, My favorite is the, the Dear Andron essay. Did you read <laughs> that one or did you see that one? Yeah, I read all three <laughs> of them. I saw one that, that mentioned Ryan, but I wasn't sure if that was you or not. Oh, it's Ryan Bridges had to okay. play his brother, Colin Bridges. So it was two brothers. It was a grudge match between two brothers. And the essay was essentially like... Um, Mama always loved Ryan best, but after this game, I can truly say that the healing starts now because <laughs> Colin kicked shit out of his brother. So he's just rubbing dirt. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yes. Uh, Ryan Bridges was the guy that came on the show and gave us the battle report with his Mechanicum against Knights a while back. Yes, I, I know exactly who Ryan Bridges is. He also, uh, what did he paint the Toys for Tots army or... Was it a uh, donation? Yes. yes. One of, yeah. yeah, he painted one of them. Yeah. yeah. So. So I got to hang out with him, and I met his brother for the first time, uh, both super cool. And then one of my favorite things about the event I was telling you earlier was uh, we had dinner one night just up in, like, the, the little bar lounge area, and it was me and Emily and Chris Duncan, and I was in the middle, and my wife and Chris were on either side. My two wives. That's my two wives. That's my, har- my harem. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah. Uh, the other side of the table was just like dudes that we had met and then a lot of our patron guys and we just got to sit and have dinner together and talk and that was a lot of fun that was one of the cooler memories of my trip out there did you trim so, a little bit of your beard off for each of them like did you send them all home with a little piece of you <laughs> my beard no I didn't <laughs> you, uh, like, you I, shaved, I shaved a little bit of now. beard off and sprinkled it in their food and you're like I'm inside you so <laughs> my wife my wife bought me a shirt for my birthday that has a ruler like like print it onto the shirt and then each notch of the ruler has like what your ranking is for your beard. So as your beard grows, oh, you yeah. hit different oh. notches. So now I'm fucked. Now I can't shave it off because like the top notch is meh. Like that's your meh. You're the meh beard. And then the next one down is like, um, I can't even remember, but I'm only like two notches on this fucking shirt. So I have to get my beard much longer you get all the way to, to rank higher or your yes, there- pubes. There's a, there's wizard and then there's something else and then there's Gandalf and then there's supreme wizard or grand wizard or something maybe it's not grand that sounds like a clan probably, probably not grand wizard <laughs> yeah dude, for real. maybe we should <laughs> hold on <laughs> just a bunch of wizards and dragons hanging out in the forest larping yeah <laughs> so all right just <laughs> skirt around that sensitive topic right now yeah but anyway. Uh, 
it was that was a it was a pretty fun dinner. So that was with like uh, Mark Henry and Eric. I'm trying to think who else was sitting there. I'm forgetting now. Ryan was there. Ryan Bridges, his brother Colin was there. Um, Evan was there. Who were the people near the end? I know I'm forgetting people, and they're going to be pissed that I forgot them, but. can't remember if douglas was there or not all the there guys. was so many guys all there. the guys yeah, all, <laughs> all the guys were there yeah so i don't know i had a good time it was a really good time and emily's uh she bought a bunch of dark age shit and she actually bought extra than what she needed to build so we got home today and we came downstairs and i was playing with the dog and i looked over and she had my hobby tools out building miniatures on her own without any prodding for me this is something she chose to do and upstairs, she's reading the fluff book about her new model. So I'm pretty happy with this turn of events. Nice. Fucking sweet, dude. So I'm just going to ask real quick. I heard there was a turn one scoop. That's the rumor anyway. Oh, for 40K? Yeah, that's the rumor anyway. Yeah, I don't want to get too deep into this because everybody knows my thoughts on 40K and 8th edition. But... <laughs> Let's just say that uh, where we make little jokes about going first is important and all that in current 40K, that in the final round of the Invitational Tournament, so it's like the most competitive of competitive 40K tournaments because you have to win a tournament to even be invited to this tournament. And this is the final table at that event. Uh, the guy who lost the role to go first scooped and didn't even play the game just because he lost the roll to go first and knew how it was going to go. So the only die that was rolled in the final game of that tournament was the die to see who went first. That's fucking legit. Welcome <laughs> to the new meta, boys. Yes. This is peak performance, fellas. If you can't... <laughs> That's that streamlined as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag streamlined. <laughs> if you can't see that the game... Like, <laughs> Such high-level play that they've got the whole game planned out. <laughs> 187 moves in advance. Son of a bitch. <laughs> fucking sucks. Well, I lost. <laughs> you rolled one dice. Yep. Fuck me. It's over. It was checking yeah. before the board was so, set up. <laughs> anyway, that's doesn't concern us. So <laughs> no, it doesn't. But I love bringing it up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, rock and roll, dude. Sounds like Nova was a blast, man. I definitely regret not going or paying that much attention to it while it was going on. I wish I had like followed the coverage a little bit closer. What the fuck were we doing while that was going on? Oh shit, that's right. Yeah, Gale Force wins. Giant hurricane. <laughs> that's that's what's okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. I I also uh, led several of our patrons down the path of damnation to where they're playing Dark Age as well as 30k now. So that's pretty funny. Yeah, the yeah. tempter. Ryan's getting so Ryan's getting podcast listeners like like the sleazy way. Like he's going he's going the dark <laughs> oh, way. <laughs> uh, I was laughing with uh, Brian Steele, the guy who does Dark Age, that because I got eight. I, I convinced eight people at the convention that have never played Dark Age that they left with Dark Age miniatures solely because of me talking to them about Dark Age. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan's fucked up. So, so do you have like stock in them or something? Or no, I don't. Actually, I just I just think it's cool. And I the nice thing about it is uh, like 
because 30k is you know it's still my primary game and it can be theirs too it's just that <laughs> you know dark dark age it's like you only need to paint five or six models you know what i mean and it so it's not like it's going to affect them playing 30k or whatever it's just something you can do on the side that's fun yeah <laughs> ryan's like hey guys you want to check out my blood angels yeah man that'd be oh oh well, these aren't my blood angels yeah this you guys my, want to come out to my van and check out my? Uh, it's funny my you said that, Mike, because in front of my display board, I set up three or four of my dark or my dark age models so that people would see them when they were looking at my 30k army and ask what they were. <laughs> <laughs> it just says Ryan's walking around with a little fucking sign that says "Ask me about dark age." <laughs> like, ask me, ask me how to get into dark age. Oh, oh, my bad. <laughs> Great. Bummed about uh, eighth edition. No. Come check this out. <laughs> yeah. Well, start at heresy and then. Uh, once you get your heresy army painted and you're playing, you're well into your heresy hobby. Then if you have a, you, you just can't get enough hobby and have a little extra free time, you know, maybe look into some dark age. Love yeah. it, love it, Ryan. You're gonna get them one day. You'll have all of them. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's it for Nova Talk, man. We're gonna close up there. I'm pretty sure we're gonna need some more questions about Nova. They'll come in. Uh, if you have a question for Ryan or if you want to know how Nova went down, you can definitely give us a call and leave a voicemail. And uh, I'm sure Ryan will answer any question you have in regards to Nova or any other event that Ryan's attended. But Yeah, I've been to a lot this year. And he's I was looking back on all the hobby shit that I'm doing. I've still got the Michigan GT to go, MKA to go, all that. So this has been hobby-wise and board game-wise and miniature game-wise and convention-wise, this has been the craziest year I've ever had in any of that. I dig it, dude. I love it. Taking it to the next level. Living, li- people live vicariously through you. I'm one of them. And on top <laughs> of that, you get to you get to take your wife around with you. My goodness, she's coming to Adepticon next year. So my goodness, look at you, buddy. What 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 else could you what more could you ask for? You should do know. a podcast. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so rock and roll. So next thing we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about some New Zealand snacks, which we are going to hold off on because Scott's not here. And Scott didn't We will thank Blair. Blair. Blair sent us some snacks. Um, super from awesome. From New Zealand. And I'm like 99% what? sure it was Blair. I probably just stuck my foot in my mouth and said thank you to the right per- wrong person. But no, nah, I'm pretty sure it was Blair. Yeah, I feel, I feel safe with that one. And then uh, we also learned some new words from New Zealand as well. For snack wise, yep. we did we did learn what like the Kia Aura. Yeah, the different language from uh from New Zealand was. So yeah. All in all it's a good experience New Zealand wise. It's like <laughs> just kinda hit it hit home. So we're not gonna go over the snacks this time around, even though I do have a lot of questions on some of the snacks they did get. But uh we'll go ahead and save that for next week while Scott is here and on and not shitting his pants from eating New Zealand snacks. <laughs> yes. Actually I have no idea what's wrong with with Scott. I just he just said he was feeling green, whatever that means. But I'm going to is spread. he jealous? Green I'm, is green is the color of jealousy. But it's also it's also like the seasick. You know, when you get seasick, you get green. Green around the gills. Green around the gills. Yeah. So maybe Same. he's uh, people say that. Maybe he's uh, what do you call it? Maybe he's was on a boat earlier. We don't know. But I trust him. Anyway, we got nice snacks from Blair. So thank you, Blair. <laughs> thank you, Blair. So, anyway, next up on the list of things to do is list time. 
Uh, first one comes for Douglas Thompson. If y'all remember, he was the one who had the industrial accident story earlier. Uh, he says, for my list request, all I'm looking for is a 2,500-point Ravengar force of any kind that makes Korax fun and effective in a normal narrative events. Anyway, keep up the work, you beautiful bastards, and I hope the story pleases you. So, Ryan, I'm really interested to listen to this Ravengard list with the Drop Assault Vanguard where you snuck in some Korax action. Yeah, so... I'm not going to lie, this list was really written for me, not for him, but he can use it if he wants, but that's just the honest truth of it. Um, <laughs> no, uh, Perfect. this, like I said, this, uh, me and you've talked about this for a long time, and like we talked about earlier, I've been wanting to do Raven Guard, and so this is kind of an idea I've had in my head for a while. I never like really sat down and put pen to paper, but I knew what right of war I wanted to use, and I knew kind of what I wanted to do with it, so I finally actually sat down and wrote the list out. So, here we go. So, this is a Drop Assault Vanguard Right of War. Um, obviously, the Lord of War will be Korax taking that Right of War. So, he's in the army. For my HQ, it's Strike Commander Mon. Everybody who plays Raven Guard is going to be familiar with that guy. Yep. Power Sword and, uh, and Reroll Reserves. Well, yep. not all Reserves. And he cool thing about him is he can, as a character, can take a dedicated transport that's a drop pod, which is pretty sweet. So that's the main reason he's in the army, but he's also just a solid character, especially in an army with a lot of reserves and deep striking. Plus, it's fluffy for that as well. Um, so for troops, the first troop's choice is 12 assault marines. Uh, two of the 12 will have power weapons. I would probably go axes, um, but you could make them whatever you wanted. The sergeant has artificer armor and power axe, and the entire squad has melt-a-bombs. The second troop's choice is that same squad again. So another 12 assault marines, uh, three power axes, including one on the sergeant, uh, artificer armor on the sergeant, and then melt-a-bombs on the entire squad. For elites, I took a apothecary attachment with two apothecaries in it. Both of those apothecaries have jump packs, and they are going to go in with the Assault Marines to make them a little more durable. Um, my second Elite's choice is a five-man Terminator squad. You could go either armor you wanted. I would probably go Cataphracty. Um, two of them have Power Fist, two of them have Chain Fist, and the Sergeant has a Power Fist, and they are in a dedicated Anvilus Drop Pod. Anvilus Dreadclaw Drop Pod. For my third Elite's choice i took a veterans tactical squad that's only nine men um eight of the the eight normal guys in the squad all have combi meltas and then the sergeant also has artificer army combi melta and those nine guys will be joined to strike commander mon and go in his drop pod then for the fourth and final elite slot i took another 10 uh t veteran tacticals um, two of these guys have power axes. Uh, then the sergeant has artificer armor and power axe. And then the entire squad has melt-a-bombs. For fast attack, I took an Anvilus pattern dreadclaw drop pod, which those 10 uh, assaulty veterans will go in. These guys will likely have weapon master oh. or sniper. They'll either have weapon master or sniper. So you, I would probably go sniper because I like well-rounded things where they could get out and still 
shoot guys with effective bolt gun or or bolt pistol fire and then assault. But if you wanted to go full assault, you know, um, the uh, the uh, veterans weapon master would work. Yeah. Yep, you can choose before the game begins. Um, and then for heavy support, I took a fire after gunship with auto cannon batteries and hell strikes in the wings. Then once again, it has Corex in it. So if you guys are counting drop pods, you got Avax Mon and the nine Melta Vets in a drop pod. Then you have the ten Assaulty Vets in a Dreadclaw. Then you have the five Terminators in a Dreadclaw. So that's going to be two of the three pods turn one. And then on top of that, both Assault Marine squads arrive automatically turn one, and Korax will be attached to one of them. So he'll also deep strike with them. So deep striking turn one, you're going to have 24 Assault Marines, two squads of 12, Korax, and two of the three drop pods. So the only thing that will be left in reserve is the Fire Raptor and then one of the three drop pods. And when this stuff lands, if any of the Assault Marines are within 12 inches of the enemy, then the enemy has to snap fire at them because of the uh, the Drop Assault Drop Vanguard, Vanguard rule. rule. Yeah. Yep. And then Korax... He'll be attached to the assault squad, but when he, when you drop, I would personally detach him because you're going to drop two pods in close. I, depending on what they had, my I would probably drop the terminators and the assaulty veterans in the Charybdises or in the normal dreadclaws and leave them in, and I would drop them out away from the enemy to avoid any intercept fire if I needed to, and then turbo boost them in really close so that the pods are the closest units. And then I would try to drop the um, assault marines in fairly close, but were safe where they wouldn't mishap, and then run them forward to make sure that they're within that 12-inch range where you have to snap fire at them. And then Korax would detach from them, and you can only shoot at Korax if he's the closest uh, model or you're another Primark. So because you're going to be pushing those drop pods and those assault marines up in their face... You can leave him at the back, and he's going to be safe, even though he doesn't have the greatest of involve saves because they're going to have to snap fire at him. Right. And then this sets you up. So then turn two, your fire raptor and your uh, drop pod with the melt vets should come in, which are your two shooting units that can immediately do what they need to do, which is shoot on the turn they arrive. And then all of your stuff that you stage turn one, which is the two assault squads, Korax, the Terminators, and the Assaulty Veterans can all assault. So it's like a turn two, just all-out blitz of the enemy. That's brutal, dude. That's very brutal. And for anti-tank, because people were like, well, what would you use for anti-tank? Well, you got 10 Veterans with Melt-A-Bombs, and then 24 Assault Marines with Melt-A-Bombs. And then you got to remember, Raven Guard Terminators get Furious Assault. So they're going to have two Strength 9 Power, or Chain Fist, and three Strength 9 power fist when they charge vehicles because you're always charging a vehicle if you're assaulting it and then Korax has one of his like three fighting modes um gives him plus two strength i believe which he goes from six to eight and then he also has furious charge so he'll go up to nine as well so he'll be like five or six strength nine attacks on the charge so that's a ton of anti-tank in assault fuck yeah especially all those melted bombs just lying around but yeah. if you really needed to, you could rely on some strength nine chain fists. Oh yeah, that's not a big deal. So, so I really, really, really like this list. It's got any flyer cover with the fire raptor because, like we've talked about before, the fire raptor can shut down four enemy flyers on its own. Um, and then you also have the two 
dread claws you can heat sweep with unless they FAQ it or change it where it can't. But it just currently it just says move over an enemy model, so I can still move over your flyer because it's a model on the table. Still fuck your lightning's world up. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean I think it's pretty fucking badass. I dig it, dude. And then if if you wanted to drop down those melt vets turn one instead of one of the dread claws, you would have Avex Mon would land and then get out of the pod, and then from that point on, going off turn two, you could then um, re-roll the pods. reserves. Yeah, for the other two. So it gives you a little bit of flexibility. So like if they had something you really needed to alpha strike, like a Malkador and Furnace or something like that, you could drop those Melta guys in to deal with that and then have the added benefit of having him on the board to re-roll the reserves for your assault unit that's in reserve, which is very important to get in at least by turn two so that you can then start assaulting by turn three. Dude, very, very good example with the Malkador and Furnace as well. That yeah. is that hits home. <laughs> that hits home hard. So this would be a list that I would personally love to play, and this if I ever play Raven Guard, this is probably the list I will build. Mm, mm, mm. Very cool. I like it. It's a good list. I mean, it's it sounds like a fun list. Uh I don't really I mean, it sounds like you pretty much got the structure on how it would kind of peel forward with the way it would work and how it's got you know it can put threats wherever it needs to i definitely could see where like a another drop assault army would kind of throw it off balance a little bit but i mean those anvilises really increase the uh the mobility of the list so and well a lot of people like- underestimate the corax where he can just leave the board at any time he wants and redeploy yeah there's that too so, I mean, if they, like, try to get sneaky and they drop, like, oh, I'll drop all these drop pods in and surround these guys, I'll be like, like oh, cool story, bro. Well, Horax comes off the board, and the next turn he comes back in over here. Hey, like, you'll never see him again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he fucking Batmans and is out there. So that's the other nice thing, like... like with pushing all these threats in their face and having the Anvilus and all that stuff, you should always... You should have a really about the easiest time as possible it is to have to keep Corax from not being the closest model. So he's always having to be snap fired at, which is big. And then if they ever really do get some crazy maneuver on you where he ends up being the closest model and it looks like they can keep it that way, um, as long as he doesn't die on the first turn that it happens, you can always just pick him up and redeploy him all the way back at the other end of your battle line to make it where he's hard to kill again. Right, And then in close combat, even though he only has a 5-up inball save, he has that one fighting ability where he's minus 1 to hit. And he's got a, a really high weapon skill. I think his weapon skill 8. Am I right on that? He's weapon 7 or 8? He's weapon skill 7. 7. Which most Primarchs are 7 or less. There's a few, obviously, that are 8 or 9. I think Horus is maybe 8. And I think Angron is 9 and Russ is 9. Um, yeah. So... But, I mean, most Primarchs are only hitting him on a four. And then, obviously, like any other character, like uh, Shield Captains and Praetors and all that are weapon skill seven or less. So when you give them minus one to hit, you're only hitting him on fives. So people look at that invul save and go, oh, he's only got a five-up invul. I'm like, well, but he's not getting hit as often to have to make that invul. 
So you have to factor that in. Like having the best invul save isn't always the like is not necessarily, you know, better than just not being hit to begin with. Yeah. And he's got those shroud bombs. If shit came shit like if it ultimately fucking shit hit the fan, he's getting charged. You do have shroud bombs, which is that last chance to fuck somebody's world up. Yeah. So So yeah, I like him. I think he's good. I like that he's got the two architect pistols. I love the the hammer of wrath thing. I like his redeployment ability. I like his three modes of fighting. Really, his only he's he's faster than any other Primarch other than Kurs, which they're the same speed because they're both jump infantry. Um, he, I think he's more flexible in hand to hand combat than Kurs. Really, his only weakness is that. At, low invul say, but I think that can be mitigated by the use of the smart use of his fighting arts to use the one where he's hard to hit in close combat at the right time. And also using his ability to either hiding him in a unit, or if you don't have like a really like tough nut to crack unit, like the list that I wrote doesn't really have anything that's like, this can absorb a lot of fire. It's just like a lot of, you know, well-rounded, like useful units. You just always make sure that he's on his own, but not the closest thing where they have to snap fire at him. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier to get your get your guys close, landed in, and then have them run up with Korax. Yep. They're auto running on sixes, like they're auto running six inches if he's on the yep. table. So right, so that'll be nice because you can land. The, you can because a lot of people worry about that Vanguard assault where they're like, "Well, I have to be within twelve inches for them to have to snap fire." So I guess my thing is I would put my guys like. I don't know, like nine inches away and just, I mean, it's pretty fucking rare that you would scatter like, you know, 10 inches or more directly at the enemy. I mean, if that happens, it just happens. You know what I mean? You can't, you have to take some risk, but as long as you don't scatter super far or, um, or if you hit or whatever, you land nine or so inches away. When you build your rings around that initial guy, you can use, you can, build them in a way to where the last guys that go around the last ring, that's going to be incomplete. You just put that closer to the enemy. And then, like you said, when you run, you auto run on a six. So you're going to move six inches closer. So even though you place them nine or 10 inches away, by the time you build the rings and by the time you, um, run, you're going to be right up on top of them. And then if you really want to be gamey about it, I mean, I personally, wouldn't care one way or the other and some people only use them anyway you could use the larger bases that you know because everything comes on a 32 millimeter base that gives you extra you know board coverage that makes that better yeah absolutely and it also allows you to space your models further apart to uh mitigate blast and templates so that's just facts i didn't i didn't change bases i wish we would have i wish we would have stayed with 25 millimeter personally but that's just me all my shit's on 25s or 28s or whatever the hell they are this old bases 25 mil or 28 mil 25 mil. i put my i put my characters on the bigger ones i i do like that the option of having the two base sizes i like that i can put my characters on the larger base so they stand out more and then put my basic infantry on the smaller base that's that's what i do <laughs> Rock and roll, dude. Rock and roll. Well, that sounds like a fun list, Ryan. Very cool. Yeah, I'm sure. I think it's. I think it's great. I think it would work good. I like it. 
I'm sure there's people out there listening right now that are putting that list together immediately. So, anyway. Well, what do you think? You're the one that's a doubter in Korax. I, I, I don't mind it. It sounds fun. I, I mean, Korax is a lot of points, man. <laughs> like, the things I could get for those points. I mean, that's some land speeders you could swing or, you know... Does he, Am does, I gonna have to build it? Am I gonna have to build it and come down there to Texas and play with you with it? I'm just saying, like, I'm just like, I'm not saying Korax isn't a bad dude. I'm just saying that those points could be used more efficiently somewhere else. You know? I disagree. Says the guy who runs fucking like 500 point Leviathans and shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I get it. No, I get it. Anyway. So, we do have another list. This actually comes from Jack Beaver. Jack Beaver. Yep. Jack says, good afternoon, RFI crew. Absolutely loving the show. Off-topic banter and all. Thank you. (laughs) Keep up the good work. I wish I had some disturbing industrial accident stories to tell. However, I I work in financial analytics. There are rather low death rate from accidents. (laughs) Yeah, you'd be surprised. I think you'd be surprised. That's a story I want to hear. <laughs> I had reached out to you guys over a year ago regarding Death Guard, and I feel like I am now, wanting to expand what I have to a 2,500-point list. My idea for this list is an armored strike force, but to smash a hole into... Oh, to smash a hole into an established enemy... <laughs> I was like, it's going <laughs> to smash a new a-hole. Smash a hole in the established enemy lines, providing reinforcements and opening in which they can surround the enemy and prevent any form of orderly retreat. I dig it. Okay. The old... The army list is as follows. Under his HQ, he's got a Praetor with cataphractic armor, iron halo, rad grenades, digital lasers, mastercrafted chain fist with a seven, seven death shroud strong bodyguard. Under his elite choice, he's got two rapier laser destroyers. Under his troops, he's got two legion tactical squads. The sergeant has artificer, melta bombs, power scythe, and they're transported in a rhino with pencil multi-melta. Remember, he's got two of those. Uh, then he's got a heavy support squad. Six of the support marines have missile launchers. One sergeant has an augury scanner. In uh, fast attack, primaris lightning strike fighter, battle servitor, ground targeting auguries, and two kraken penetrator loadouts. So four... Four penetrators. Under his heavy support choice, he's got Grave Wardens, which is four Grave Wardens. Two of them have Chain Fist, where the Chem Master has a Chain Fist, and they're transported a Land Raider Phobos with arm- Armored Ceramite. He's got a Sakaran Battle Tank with Last Cannon Sponsons and Armored Ceramite. A Legion Spartan Assault Tank with Flare Shield and Armored Ceramite. Hey, real quick. Yeah. Uh... That Land Raider and that Spartan, what is the key ingredient that those fucking things are missing that he uh, absolutely has to have? Diggity dozer blades, boy. Yep, yep, 100%. Do not. If you're spending 300 and fucking, what is it, 330 points. points or, well, what's it? he got a flare shield on there. Yeah, He's just spending 370 points. Find the extra fucking five points, son. You get fucked just up playing. by a bush? You get fucked up by, you get yeah. a bush caught in that tread? Yep. 370 points ain't moving, all because you didn't want to spend five points. <laughs> Let's see, what else? What could you have dropped? Mm, one melt-a-bomb. Uh, anything. Fucking, <laughs> yeah, melt-a-bombs off. I dropped the two melt-a-bombs off the attack squads and put fucking dozer blades on those 250-point-plus vehicles. Yeah. 
Drop the you anyway. Can even drop one melta bomb off of. Oh no, rag grenade. Keep the rag grenade. Yeah. Quit yawning and fucking hiccuping. Sorry. Killing the show here. That's how it happens. The idea is that that Praetor with his butt buddies will push forward within the Spartan alongside the Grave Wardens and rush the enemy lines. As a Praetor, no, and they friends, won't. Because I'm going to plant bushes in the way. <laughs> I'm going anyway, to plant go like 50 bushes. As a Praetor <laughs> and friends enter combat, and the Grave Wardens will put down close com- close range support and charging armor that may cause a threat. All the while, the rapier batteries and missile launchers will keep the enemy's heads down. The Zakarin will pri- provide some air defense if necessary, and the Primaris to crack open transports. Uh, this may be a bit of a disjointed plan, and very well could be trying to cover too many bases without enough scoring units. I would love to hear your thoughts and suggestions. Please feel free to swap and add any of the unit's vehicles you like, including Super Heavies minus Warlord. I'm always willing to grow my collection with things I do not have. Thank you, Jack Beaver. So, I mean, he's already got, what, one, two, three, four, five scoring units in his list? You got plenty of scoring units, buddy. Yeah, because the heavy support squad in the reaping is troops. So he's got five scoring. So, yeah, he's got plenty. Because the Grave Wardens have implacable advance, and so do the... Uh, Death Shroud. Death Shroud. Yep. I mean... Did you take out those rape the laser destroyers? Uh, of course I did, because the, the, he said I wanted an armored strike force. So an armored strike force means like something mobile to me, and rapiers are not mobile. Do you ever see yourself using laser destroyers instead of any other rapier battery? Yeah, I don't think they're bad. I just they don't fit my play style because I, I like to move things around on the table, and um a lot of lists that people send in, I don't end up keeping them or putting them in a list because a lot of people want lists that are like, like this, where they say my idea is, you know, this armored strike force or when people send in lists and say they want to do, you know, black shields or like a boarding party or these guys do this. It's like you start to think about the logistics of what equipment would be available to a, force trying to do that and what would be easily transported and mobile and be able to get in and get out and in the entire space marine army list like tarantulas rapiers um you know shit like that or like just equipment that don't fit that bill and it seems like a lot of people when they write in the fluff for this show they write it in their own fluff and and in my mind automatically eliminate the use of those units out of a list if you're trying to stick to the theme of your army Here's, here's something that I'm going to offer to all you listeners out there that made it this far. Just just hang out for a second. Just take a minute. If you're driving, stop. Pull over. This is, I'm going to offer a little contest right now, and I will live up to this. If you write in fluff, like if, if you write a short little little novella, like, I mean, it's a, probably, like, it doesn't even have to be a long one, just a good size novella that I could probably have Ben Porter like read out and you know make beautiful if you write fluff a little fluffy story about a rapier crew it could be quad mortars it could be a laser destroyer array it could be uh what is the other one um the grav ones the grav ones quad heavy bolters quad Quad heavy heavy bolters. bolters anything like that if you write me a little short story about the a rapier battery and you make it as badass as you can and it sounds fucking incredible and like you like you go through the logistics and all that stuff like follow one character 
make it go through like you know how he's doing his job and all this shit. If you write me that, I will get you a Radio Free Estevan shirt and and a Radio Free Estevan uh, um, apron. I'll get you both of those. I'll send both of those and your some way. Dice. I'm I'm gonna throw in some dice, even though I'm playing with the house's money. Michael can send you some dice too. Yes, and some dice. We'll get some dice in there as well. I'll even I will even make sure you, whatever Legion you play, I will have Joshua De La Rosa laser cut and powder coat, and I'll cover the cost of it completely, the cost of a cup for whatever Legion you play. That's that's a there solid that is a solid care cup, package. Cup, dice, shirt, apron. That's all you need. And it's got to uh, it's got to convince me that these fucking like rapier batteries are fucking cool to shit. Uh I'm going to give you one full month from today. So you have to have this turned in by October 4th if you want to be eligible for this and I'll pick the best one if there's multiple entries and there there will absolutely be some runner-up prizes if there's more than one person that enters this. I'm sure there won't be, but that one per- whoever gets that written in and sent in to me Whoever I pick, I will absolutely 100% get that sent out to you. That's fair. That's a fair thing. I need some fluff for these rapier battery runners. Like, I can't find any. I've never read it anything like that. I've never seen anything about these rapier batteries. I just need some badass fluff, and hopefully we'll get Ben Porter to to read it out, whatever you write. So, okay. I'm sorry. There you go. I needed that. I needed to find make that happen. I didn't know you were such a hater of the rapier battery. It doesn't make sense to me. Like I don't like we 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 talk about it like all the time. Like how are they? Who's dropping them off before the battle? Like how are they? Well, they could on... ride in a charybdis, so I guess they're just riding down in a charybdis, and the charybdis is taken back off. And then like how are they getting to like the second story of things? Like how are they getting up these stairs? It's just there's so much shit that I don't understand that just drives me crazy. But yeah, when you do see them, they're usually up on like roofs and shit, and it's like. Yeah. Wow. Who the fuck? What code? Like, what's the code in the 31st millennia for building stairs and shit? Like, how much weight are these stairs supposed to hold? There actually is fluff in one of the books where the... Uh, it's in Vulcan Lives, where the tech marine salvages the rapier battery and all the guys are shitting on him and telling him to leave it behind because it sucks and it'll weigh him down, which is like what we always say on this show. Yep. And then... They get attacked by snipers, and he programs in their location, and it like shoots out and bisects the one and scares off that Narek guy. Never mind. Contest is <laughs> over. <laughs> we have a winner. <laughs> we have a winner. <laughs> the winner is whoever wrote Vulcan Lives, which is Nick Kime. Nick Kime, please call the show, <laughs> and we will see you. <laughs> Send out a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Contest is still on. Get that get that narrative written in. I will write out full rules and uh, post it to the Facebook page if you're not sure. And uh, hopefully it gets pretty crazy. Hopefully I get some badass stories, but we'll find out. Yeah. Anyway, back to your list writing, Ryan. Continue. Okay. So, well, I don't even think we made it into the list. We were just talking through. So, okay. So this is what I went with. So Michael already pointed out. So I'm, I got rid of the rapier laser destroyers because you wanted a armored strike force to smash a hole in established enemy lines, providing reinforcements and opening in which they can surround the enemy, blah, blah, blah. So I take this to mean like they're a mobile strike force, you know, smash a hole. So anything that is on foot, like the missile team or the rapiers, um, had to go or I had to fit a transport in, which is what I did for the missile team, um, 
they don't have to start in it, but it needs to be present in your army and on the display board so it makes sense and makes the fluff for the army work, at least in my mind. That's kind of how I look at things when people write lists in. So um, I ended up uh, with a Praetor in uh, Cataphracty armor, and he's got Chain Fist, Digital Lasers, Rad Grenades. So it's the same as yours. I just got rid of the Master Crafted just because I needed points, and that was like one of... Yeah, basically, yeah. And it was one of the things that I could uh, cut out that I don't think will make a huge impact on the list. So the second HQ choice, and this is something I added, is a Damocles Command Rhino. So I thought this was cool fluff-wise because it's like a mobile command thing that you know can send out orders. Um, it allows you to... Is it plus one to reserves or reroll? I think it's plus one to reserves. Yes. So your lightning, your lightning will come in on a two-up instead of a three-up. And it also has a barrage it can call down, which would obviously help you smash a hole in an enemy fortification. The other cool thing is it holds six guys, so that heavy support squad that I kept in the list will now have a ride for your army, so it makes your fluff work out, as well as being a cool utility to put in your list. Um, plus, I don't think I've seen very many Death Guard Damocles, so it'd be kind of cool just to see one painted up. Uh, for troops... Uh, I have a tactical squad. This tactical squad is 10 Marines strong. I bought the additional chainsword uh, for them. The sergeant has artificer armor, power scythe, and rad grenades. And they are 180 points. And I put them in a rhino with a multi-meltus. So they're the same as yours, except I bought them the extra close combat weapon. It's too good in the reaping because you have rad grenades and you're lowering the enemy's toughness to three. If you're already do and the Death Shroud Power Scythe is already is super strong because it's AP two fighting at initiative three, which is typically faster than other AP two weapons. It's just too good of an opportunity to not pay the extra twenty points to put chain swords on those guys. It's like I just have to do it when I do the reaping. So the second troop choice is the squad that's exactly the same. So ten Marines, Sergeant has Artificer Armor, Power Scythe, Rad Grenades. Uh, they have the additional chain swords. Um, and they are in a Rhino with Pinnel Mounted Multi Melta. I didn't put the Melta Bombs back on these guys because it's just a single Melta Bomb on each guy. And once again, I needed points to put uh, the Chain Swords on these guys and some other shit that I just felt like was better for a majority of the situations you'll run into than having a lone Melta Bomb. Um, for the third and final troop choice, it's uh, six Heavy Support Marines. Uh, the sergeant has artificer armor and augury scanner, and then they're up. All everybody's upgraded to missile launchers. So just like the squad he had. Um, for elites, I have seven death shroud terminators. They all have melt bombs, which I believe I'm trying to see. Did he have? Where's his elites? No. So he had his death shroud as a command squad. I'm guessing it just says bodyguard seven death shroud. So yeah. maybe he took them as HQ, but he didn't give them melt bombs So I basically took the one lonely melt bombs off the tactical squads and then put them over on the death shrouds where you're going to get more bang for your buck and guys that can stick around. Um, for fast attack, I kept the exact same Primaris Strike Fighter that he had, I believe. It's uh, got four Kraken Penetrators on it, a Battle Servitor, and Ground Tracking Auguries. Um, then for heavy support, I have five Grave Warden Terminators. Two of them have Chain Fist. 
and the Kim Master has a Death Shroud Power Scythe and Rad Grenades. I put the Power Scythe on the Kim Master instead of the Chain Fist because it's very rare. So, because he's a character, he's going to end up in a challenge, usually, if he fights, and I would rather have the AP2 at Initiative 3 than having to wait till the end of the round to get the Power Fist or the Chain Fist off. So it's more built for a challenge. And then because you got Rad Grenades in there, anything Toughness 5, you're lowering to 4 so that all your chain fist guys and power fist guys can double out, and then anything that your uh, your uh, power scythe guy is fighting, he wounds on twos because he'll be strength six going against tough. Or actually, because he's four, he'll be strength five because it's plus one strength going against tough three. So it makes him really good in a challenge. That's why I put the scythe on him. So they have a dedicated land raider Phobos with dozer blade and armored ceramite. Um, then the Spar- and then I took your Spartan for the second heavy support slot with Armored Ceramite and Dozer Blade. I lost the Flare Shield because it's not critical. Um, I think it's pretty... We'll talk about that at the end of the list, but basically I needed points, and I felt like it was an upgrade that could go. Um, it's a little bit overrated, in my opinion, and we'll get to why. Um, then, finally, the Sakaran Battle Tank with a Dozer Blade and Sponson Laz Cannons. So... I took away, like, I don't feel like the Armored Ceramite on the Sakaran in your list is needed because it's Armor 12 on the side and rear. And in Heresy, usually when you get one Melt-A-Gun shot at you, you're usually getting five or more Melt-A-Gun shot at you. So taking away the extra dice doesn't help you much because they still only need to roll a five or six on, like, a handful of dice and you're punching through anyway. Or even if they roll fours, they're glancing you. So the odds that you get glanced out or blown up, even with Armored Ceramite, are so high, I don't feel like it's worth the extra points that you throw on, personally. Um, I do feel that Armored Ceramite, if you're, is... The rule of thumb for me is if it's Armor 14 all the way around, or a Super Heavy, then you put Armored Ceramite on it. If it doesn't meet that criteria, I wouldn't worry about it. The only exception to the rule would probably be a Leviathan Dreadnought. Because he's all up in that shit, you know? Because he's always close, he has a 4-up invol save, and he's 4 hole points, and he's 13-13, so he's pretty close to that criteria. Um, and also, he's so many points already, you're like, throwing extra 20 points at it isn't a big deal. But on a Sakaran, that's, you know, right around the 200 points, because a Leviathan in a drop pod is like 400 points plus. So you need to, like, really protect that investment, so the extra 20 points is fine. On a 200-point Sakaran, I don't think I'd really fuck around with it. It's already expensive enough. And, plus, and it sits if, back. If you're, yeah, if you're in Melta range, then you've already made a mistake with a Sakaran, pretty much. Or your opponent's dropped in on a drop pod, and they got so many fucking Melta guns, it's not going to matter anyway, like we just discussed. Boom. Exactly. So the reason I don't like Flare Shields is because model position in war games is important. And I'm not going to waste 40 fucking or 45 points on an upgrade that all my enemy has to do is be smart enough to move to the side to negate that 45 points that I spent. <laughs> I'm just, I don't, I mean, that's just how I look at it. And I, I don't, I'm, I don't really know what to say. Like, I'm not going to take something that just my opponent being slightly savvy can just take that right away. I, I don't feel like that's a smart upgrade to invest points in. If you have extra points and you're not tight on points, if you got everything in the list that you want and you're stuck with like that 40 point thing or 
if the Spartan is just absolutely key to your battle plan, I guess throw it on there. Like if you're putting a Primarch in there and all this shit and it's just going to draw all the fire in the world, I, I get it. But I feel like this list has enough threats in it because you already got the other Land Raider with the Grave Wardens. Um, if the Spartan dies, your guys... the uh, it's not that big a deal. Like I still think you got enough enough other threats pushing forward. You really only need the Spartan for one turn to uh, move your guys up, and and you're good. Like if you go first, I would just move this thing twelve and then flat out at six and just already be eighteen inches up the board. And then if it dies, it dies. Um. So I don't. And my thing is, well, you want to get close with the Spartan to assault out of it and the closer you get to the enemy the easier it is to cut an angle and get around that flare shield so i don't know i just think the flare shield's supremely overrated especially on a spartan with that incredibly high price tag of 45 points agree yep i played against three malkadors with flare shields in my second game austin clerken had three malkadors at 1750 and i shot my entire army at them over the course of three turns and I shot into the flare shield twice. And when I say twice, I mean twice, meaning two units out of three turns out of like 10 units on the board. So out of 30 some opportunities to shoot at them, I only had to shoot into the flare shield twice. Yeah. And I'll point out, I'll point out that one of the two times it was a snap fired assault cannon that I needed a six to hit. So I roll my four dice, get one six then I have to roll a six to pin, or I had to roll a six to get another D3. So I rolled a six and got a six, and then I rolled a five, which made it fi uh, 15, which punched through the flare shield and took its last hole point off anyway, which is pretty funny. Yeah, but Malkadors are also like fucking John boats, <laughs> extremely long as fuck. So I could see. Oh, what... yeah, we talked about that, that they have the worst fucking <laughs> yeah. vehicle profile for side arcs in the game. So a flare shield, that's another reason a flare shield is fairly pointless on them. A Malkador. Yeah. But I mean, I, like I said, I just, I feel like it's pretty easy to get around the flare shield. Like, I, everybody like thinks that they're just this auto include. And in my opinion, it's, it's usually when I write a list, if I put a Spartan in the list and it's up in the list earlier on i'll go ahead and throw the flare shield on and then when i get to the end of the list clear it out if i don't get everything in there that i want and i have to go back and look for things to cut it's usually the first thing to go out of the list gotcha and everybody plays with like everybody knows flare shield so they're they're already the meta is built around aggressively getting around your flare shield so that's pretty much that's yeah. pretty standard Yep. So, I mean, it's nice. Like I said, it's it's a nice little thing because, I mean, like I said, you can, against certain things, like if you know the enemy's coming and they're playing a shooty army and you get that opportunity to always keep it pointed in a direction, it is very effective. But it can be taken away from you. So it's, I just, for 45 points, it's pretty hard for me to always keep it on if I want points to put other things in the list. That's all I'm saying. I gotcha. And I feel like putting those seven Grave Wardens, melt -a bombs for those guys are 35 points, and then the two Dozer Blades on the tank, or, or the three Dozer Blades on the tanks make up the other points. So, I mean, it's either put melt -a bombs on those seven guys and Dozer Blades on all your tanks or put that Flare Shield on. 
And it's like, if you start looking at it that way, I just feel like you'll get way more mileage out of those other upgrades. I feel it. I agree. Yeah. You're absolutely right. So. That's just me. Sounds like a fun list, man. Sounds like you kind of nailed what he was going for anyway. I like it. I think it's very fluffy. I think it would be really fun to play, and I think it looks rad with all the tanks and then all the infantry in the tanks, and I think it makes sense with what he's trying to do. And I think that the things I put in are legit. Like, I I don't... I put the... Um, the Damocles in just to give those one guys a ride, but I think it also serves a purpose in getting the lightning in earlier than it might. And I also think that the orbital bombardment is good. And to be honest, like if your opponent is going first and they have something like a Scorpus whirlwind or something like that, that, you know, they can just shoot over and kill those fucking missile launcher guys right away. It may not even be a bad idea just to start them in that and forgo a turn of shooting. Like we talked about earlier, to maybe protect them for the one turn until the lightning comes in and fucks up their Scorpius or whatever they got. And then you can get out and have the rest of the game because people are always worried about giving up that turn of shooting for something like that. But if they're going to, they could die turn one and you lose out on them for the entire six turns of the game, or you could, uh, forgo the first two turns so they can shoot the last four. I mean, you tell me which is better. No, I, yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. It's just it's just thinking about um, looking at what your opponent does, and you know, you don't always have to start them in there. It's just a nice option to have, I guess. Yeah, I mean, build based on what you see in front of you, really. Like size up your opponent as soon as he lays down his first things on the board. Yep. So if he really thinking back, if he really absolutely has to have that flare shield, you could drop the chain swords off the attack squads i mean i like them on there especially in the reaping with the rag grenades but that's 40 points and then you could find five points somewhere uh i'm sure you could drop the dozer blade off the sakaran because it sits back anyway that would give you your flare shield back if you absolutely have to have it and you don't like the chain sword on the tactical guys like i do i think you made a good case against it either way i I think it would be fine either way it's just really i mean i i'm not like when i see somebody with a flare shield i don't think this person's an idiot they should never it's just a personal opinion thing i guess i hear you man we all know we all know how ryan feels about the flare shield yeah (laughs) don't tell them that then they'll play my word bears and see that i have one on there and go you said not to take it you fucking hypocrite (laughs) Well, that's it, man. That's it for list. I mean, there's eight more in your inventory that you still got. But... Well, let's read the names. So just real quick, because if people absolutely have to have them because they're on a timeline, because we've been busy. We've had the Hurricane. We've had Nova. We've had whatever. So I have a Chris Gibson list, a John Silabundus, S-I-L-K-A-I-T-I-S. Silabundus. Sil- <laughs> Silcastus? Silca- whatever. You know who the fuck I'm talking about, John. Um, you know that your substitute never got that right. Yeah, you know that. John Syphilis? Syphilis? That sounds like a venereal disease, John. Anyway, Jeff Jeff uh, Fackler, 
uh, Daniel Fenton and Chase uh, Mo- uh, Montambo. I think Chase, I already sent it to his email. But if you're one of these other people and it's time sensitive, I have all this done. I can email it to you or message it to you if I haven't already done that. Um, it's no big deal, but it's just something I haven't been able to get out on the show because of making the don't want to put out eight hour long episodes, basically. Yep. If you have a list you want to send in, <laughs> you can go and shoot that into Michael at Warhammer30k.com, Ryan at Warhammer30k.com, Derek at Warhammer30k.com, or Scott at Warhammer30k.com. Uh, also, guys, if you aren't already and you don't already know, we do have a Facebook page. It's going to be Radio Free Estevan. Go check it out. Uh, you can also go to RFI30k.com. It'll take you right to our Facebook page. Uh, if you want to leave us a voicemail, 209-RFI-30K-0. We'll get you to our voicemail. And if you're on our Facebook page, you can also go ahead and message us. We will respond back in a, the most timely manner that we can. Uh, got nothing else? I just want to thank uh, the Grand Legion for all the work they put in on all the events they run. I've always had a great time at all their events. And I also want to thank and shout out all the patron listeners that were there this weekend that I had a great time with and just listeners in general. Um, there were, uh, you don't have to be a patron. We will still like you anyway. Um, so, um, I don't know. I just had fun with all the dudes at Nova. It was a great time. Uh, had a blast. So, uh, I'll definitely try to make it out again next year. Love it. Fucking fantastic. Sounds like a beautiful time. Hopefully I can run the same gambit you did next year. So Yep. Well that's gonna be You can it. come to Arlington and watch me fucking cry at the tomb of the unknown soldier like I did. Just like a total child, just crying. Did you really? Did you break down? Um no, I almost did. My wife was crying. I, I'm not I mean I was like on like if there was one more note in taps, I would be crying. Like that's how close <laughs> it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder what Ryan tears are worth like on the black market. <laughs> Probably pretty expensive, I would imagine. <laughs> are you trying to say that I haven't cried before? I'm just saying that, you know, Ryan's salty tears must be worth something to somebody. Yeah, surely. <laughs> but anyway. All right. Well, that's going to be it, guys. We're going to wrap up the show and we'll go ahead and uh, close out to some sweet music. Y'all have a good one, guys. And we appreciate your patience with us during these tough times <laughs> yeah all right you have a good one i love you michael i love you Derek. i'm glad you didn't blow away in the storm we love we you love too ryan, ryan. <laughs> later guys bye what is success a soldier can recognize success in the victories merchant in money but my world is insubstantial every man has a destined path if it leads him into the wilderness he's got to follow it with his head high and a smile on his lips
I live in a beautiful, blinding, swirling mist. But my world is insubstantial. Thank you.